Picture this. It's the year of our Lord, 1938. Franklin D. Roosevelt is currently the president of the United States of America. Nestle had just invented its first type of coffee, and the U.S. is preparing to engage in World War II. That was the last time college basketball fans had to wait longer than one year for an NCAA tournament to happen. But with Selection Sunday over with, Heath, Ty, and myself are going to give you a bracket preview. So let's get into it. Chuckleheads, two years since we've last had a bracket. One amazing show here in Triple Threat on Blaze Radio, Blaze Radio Online, and Spotify. I'm Keith Dowley. That's Harris Hicks. That's Ty Conrad. Guys, how are we feeling? A bracket is finally out. You know, Keith, I'm feeling juiced. I don't have as many stats and as many history notes as Harris, but I'm juiced. I mean, obviously, we haven't had a bracket in a year, so just having one in general to be able to go on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app or the Yahoo app or whatever and just choose, that's a that's a blessing. You know what? On a scale of 1 to 88, I'd say I'm about a 176 right now. There's a simple math, 88 times 2. That's 176, right, guys? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I think that's 176. That's about how excited I am for this episode. But, guys, a lot to get into in a short amount of time. So we're going to start with this. The selection committee obviously came out with the bracket, as we know. Thanks, Captain Obvious and myself. But did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? Was it mediocre? Keith, we're going to start with you. What did you think? So Harris, I have to say, watching that selection show with you on the beach, getting mad at our television providers because <laughs> yes. it wasn't working at first. But Shout sit, out AT&T. Sitting on the beach in Seaside, Florida, watching the bracket be announced. Harris, there have been fewer, better moments in my life. I have to tell you, but one thing that's not great was the selection committee putting Syracuse and Utah State into the first round, not having to play a play-in game. Syracuse, a team that I thought may have been the last team in the field, and they just opened up the door and said, okay, you can join the field. You can join the party, the big dance. And Keith, what's your expression that you always say? Syracuse's resume is like a chicken wing with no meat on it or little to no meat. I mean, Michigan State, we're talking about a team that beat Illinois, that beat Michigan, that beat Ohio State. Three of the top four teams in the Big Ten was on a roll. I get that they lost to Maryland, but Maryland is a solid team. They were firmly in the field. And I just think you put Michigan State above both those teams and maybe even UCLA or Drake along with them. Let me just say this. You're at Buffalo Wild Wings. You're ordering wings, okay? It's you and you're with the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. You order an Ole Miss wing, what I like to call, with eight quad one and quad two wins. But no, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee wants to order a wing with utterly no meat on it, and it's just pointless to eat. A whole lot of sauce, though, but no meat. <laughs> whole lot we of sauce. The meat. A lot of computer metrics, if you will, are That's the sauce. That's the sauce. It's but spicy. Exactly. Yeah, no Asian zing on there. You love sauce. <laughs> You're a big stats and computer guy. I am a big stats and computer guy, but I also like it real, and I like it how it should be. So you're a hypocrite. (laughs) 
Wow, guys, you guys are, at I'm feeling attacked right now. This is getting a little, wow. The intensity went from 176 to 352. So now we're just <laughs> timesing things by two every episode we go on now. Ty, what did you think of the bracket? Well, obviously, I completely agree. I think Louisville should have been at least in the first four, let alone the field. Agreed. And the only real kind of quote-unquote screw-up that I'd say they had seeding-wise is I think that Oklahoma State should have been potentially a three-seed. I mean, they beat West Virginia, and West Virginia was a three-seed. But, I mean, they had three Big 12 teams as three-seeds, Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas. I get Texas being above them. I completely do. Texas won the Big 12 by all means. I get Yeah, that. we did. Kansas, I sort of get because they were on a COVID pause and they couldn't really show their skills against Texas. So, you know, so be it, whatever, put them in a three. I really can't wrap my head around Oklahoma State being a four seed behind West Virginia. West Virginia might be the better team, but resume based on resume, I would personally put Oklahoma State as a three. Other than that, this is one year where the committee got most things right. Yeah, I think the committee looked at Louisville's resume very surface level. They saw the 40-plus point losses to Wisconsin and North Carolina and said, hey, their point differential doesn't look good. But why isn't their point differential that good? Well, because they have two losses that are complete outliers. Louisville has some meat on the chicken wing, might I add. They have some meat, definitely more than Syracuse. And actually, True. in the season, Louisville was going to play Syracuse but both of their games got canceled. They were going to play twice. Both got canceled. So that's very unfortunate for Louisville. And that could, say. that could be the difference, like you're saying. And also for Oklahoma State, a team that has that many quad one wins, I believe it's 11 or 12. Yeah. Most or second most in the country. Second most fine, Illinois. Yeah, but exactly. Yes. How do you put that team at a four? I mean, I, I get if you don't like their point differential, the two losses to TCU, but to put West Virginia ahead of them really just doesn't make much sense. But guys – it's here. The bracket It's here. We're about to get in and pick our entire bracket so that our amazing listeners can win all the money in their <laughs> bracket pools this year. And starting off, we have the number one overall seed, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, taking on the winner of Norfolk State versus App State. I think this one's going to be fairly easy. So, you know, I said I'm about, uh, what was it, 352 on a scale last time? Oh my gosh. Yep. I think it's about a 700 and one in 704 chance that Norfolk State wins. But let me say this, guys. <laughs> I can go all day. I can oh, go all know. day. <laughs> so Norfolk State shoots 36.8% from three, okay? Let me wow you with this stat. Gonzaga shoots 36.5% from three. So Keith, Ty, you're telling me that if Norfolk State shoots threes the entire game, it forces Gonzaga to shoot threes the entire game. <laughs> Norfolk State would come out with the victory. This is just like that Steph Curry argument that, oh, you just put a bunch of players around him and let him shoot a three every time down the court, and you're going to score 150 points a game analytically. It's Gonzaga. It's not even close. We'll talk more about them later when they're actually in a competitive game. And Harris, I think you have the same, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm totally joking, guys. I'm not getting 2012 Missouri-Norfolk State vibes. Yeah, let's not waste any time. This is not 2018 all over again. Gonzaga is very, very, very close to a God squad. I'm not sure they're there yet, but either way, Gonzaga to the round of 32, no questions asked. No one's truly a God squad. Only that the man upstairs, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But we're going to move it on to the eight versus nine. Oklahoma taking on Missouri. 
Well, this one's a bit tough, and both teams are a tad similar because obviously Oklahoma ended their season 0 and 4, and Missouri started off their season really hot. They started 13 and 3. Since then, they were 6 and 9. So they they just crashed really hard down the stretch. Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson sort of knew what they were doing towards the beginning of the season, then lost track. Either way, I think Austin Reeves and the Sooners will be too much. I'm going to take the Sooners in this one. Yeah, for me, Missouri is a team that always plays to the level of their competition. You know, they have a winning record in quad one. And I think that they keep that up. I mean, Xavier Pinson, Drew Smith, they have some very good guards. I think Jeremiah Tillman is by far the best big man in this game. I think that his free throw issues do cause problems, but I'll rock with my Tigers just like I've been rocking with them all year long. Go Tigers. Oh man, I hate the sound of that. But anyway, OU's average point differential. I'm going to get a little statty here, if you will. Shocker. Bring it up. My girlfriend here. We're in a good, as Ty is putting obscene hand gestures in the camera. Wow, Ty. Keep it, we keep it PG at Boys Radio. But let me say, Oklahoma's average point differential is 6.43. Mizzou's is 5.2. This is going to be a close game, whether we like it or not, in my opinion. This is where my tiebreaker is always free throw shooting. Mizzou shoots 70% from the line, 241st in the country, OU 75%, top 18% in all of college basketball. I think the free throws just give Oklahoma the slight edge. Boomer Sooner, baby. And Keith, I know you like the sound of that Boomer Sooner. Nope, I'm a Texas fan. But moving on, we have a game that I cannot wait to talk about. We have University of California, Santa Barbara, out of the Big West taking on the Creighton Blue Jays, who really stumbled out of the Big East tournament, getting just dominated by Georgetown in their last game. So I'll start with Harris. Who do you have in this one? So the tyranny of UC Irvine, the Anteaters, finally winning the Big West year after year, has finally ended thanks to the demise of UC Santa Barbara. But as you guys know, I'm going to predict these games off of free throw shooting, and I also think that this is going to be a close game. And this, other than Mizzou and Oklahoma, is even more different than that. Creighton shoots 64% from the foul line. That's awful. Bottom 5% in all of college basketball. And UCSB is built to beat Creighton. Three guys in their rotation are six foot nine or over. Creighton has just one guy that's over six foot six in their entire rotation. As I mentioned, the free throw line stats. UCSB has a 75% opponent free throw shooting against, which I tend to look at that to evaluate how lucky are you. UCSB is unlucky. Their point differential could be even higher. Give me Santa Barbara on the upset. Harris, usually we disagree, and me and Keith tend to agree. However, the first three picks I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. Thank you, Ty. 21, man. The Big West champs are 18 and one. They're looking hot. They're a team that can hustle. And that's why I like this team. I didn't really watch a lot of them. I watched a little bit of the Big West tournament and I saw this team and I said, okay, if they're a 12 seed, I'm probably going to pick them. Not only because they hustle, but because they have a guy who I'm probably going to butcher his name, but it was the conference player of the year, Jaquari McLaughlin. If, if McLaughlin, maybe I got it right. Maybe I didn't. Beautiful tie. Absolutely Ooh. stupendous. All right. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Good work, Keith. You see Santa Barbara's red hot at the perfect time. I got UC Santa Barbara making the easy upset against Creighton. And also remember Creighton had a little coaching problem. Their coach said a little racist remark here and there. So I think that chemistry is a bit off. I'm taking UCSB. Yeah. UCSB has been one of my favorite upset picks going into this tournament. I love Jacory McLaughlin. I love what this team has and I could not agree more with y'all go Gauchos. 
Gauchos, what a name. Next game we have is Virginia and the Fighting Jason Prestons. We've got the Ohio Bobcats coming in. Keith, we'll start with you. Who you got in this game? This is a really tough one, okay? Ohio has one of the best players in the country in Jason Preston. We know what he did earlier in the year against Illinois, putting up a 35-5 and type game. He reminds me a lot of John Morant and that Murray State team. A while back, took no bad losses, but didn't have any big wins. We're never really in the at-large conversation and have an amazing point guard who's going to play in the NBA that everything runs through. Here's the difference. You had a Steve Wojciechowski coached Marquette team that that Murray State team beat. They weren't very good defensively. They weren't super well coached. And their point guard was a lot worse than the other team's point guard. Yeah. I think he had Clark in the terms of this game and in the tournament. I'd rather have him on my team instead of Marcus Howard. Tony Bennett is a way better coach than Wojo. And this Virginia team is experienced. They know what they're doing and their system works year in and year out. I got to go with Virginia here as much as I like the Bobcats and Preston. Yeah, Keith, I'm going to agree with you. Jason Preston, their leader in points, assist, and he was second in rebounding, was hurt for three games. And Ty, I'm sorry you're itching to talk about this, but let me finish this stat for you before you can go on. Dwight Wilson, all primary inside scorer, scores, along with Ben Vanderplas and Ben Roderick. Roderick, is that how you say it? Yep. Account for 50% of their points in the front court Against Jay Huff and that UVA size, They're not going to be able to score inside with those guys. You mentioned the coaching dilemma. Tony Bennett, top three coach in all of college basketball. I'm taking the Cavaliers. Bad picks. Bad picks. Ohio is the team to beat right now. The MAC champion, Jason Preston, is going to put this team on his back and beat those stupid Cavaliers from Virginia. (laughs) I'm taking Ohio in this one. Give me the Bobcats. Dude's averaging 16 points per game, seven rebounds and seven assists. Ohio is one of the most balanced offensive teams, and they took Illinois to the wire with only a two-point loss. Give me Ohio. But, I mean, the bracket obviously will take Virginia because you both picked them. Either way, give me Ohio. I can't tell if these picks are sincere or if you're just trying to seem the super trendy guy who's picking an upset on everything. But let me ask you this. You've got UCSB and Ohio in the round of 32. I do. Which one out of these teams goes to the Sweet 16? In my personal bracket, I do have UCSB against Ohio. It was a hard-thought decision, but – I took UCSB. Not only do they hustle, I like their team more. I love Jokori McLaughlin better as versus Jason Preston. So I took the most fun mascot name to think of, the Gauchos, in this one. And then obviously I have them getting blown out by Gonzaga. But either way, I have UCSB over Ohio. And nevertheless, we got a first, we got to talk about Wichita State versus Drake. So if you do pick the upset, we got USC taking on the winner of the first four game, Wichita State versus Drake. We'll start off with Keith. Keith, first, who do you think's winning the Wichita State Drake matchup? And then after that, who do you think's going to win USC versus the winner of the first four? Yeah, I have Drake winning this matchup, especially if Shanquan Hempel plays. The problem with Wichita State is. They have a good resume. They're 16 and five. You know, they have a win over Houston, but they're 74th in Ken Palm right now. They're, they've been performing all year. I think Isaac Brown is a great coach to take what they were with Greg Marshall, his situation, and bring them to the tournament. But I'm going to have to roll Drake. And then USC just has too much side, size inside. They're huge. 
And I think that that really makes a difference. Drake hasn't played anyone near USC size, athleticism, any of that this year. And it's going to show early and often. I have USC getting through this one. So I think Darno Brody for Drake could give Evan Mobley some problems. He could possibly. Look at Evan Mobley's bad games. Utah against Brandon Carlson, who's seven feet. He had three points. Jalen Hill, who's around 6'10", 6'11", guarded Evan Mobley when UCLA played USC. Evan Mobley had nine points. However, I think Tajetti, USC's guards, Drew Peterson. forwards, Drew Peterson, get them out of this game. I think SC is extremely underrated. They've gotten unlucky with opponent free throw shooting. When they play at their averages, they're a good three-point shooting team, good free throw shooting team. Offense and defense is decently primarily balanced. If you take those three losses to Colorado outside, which they just happen to play a team three times, they're a four seed. They have the resume of a four seed. I think they're a very underrated team. I think USC wins this game. Yeah, I completely agree with Harris. I, I'm taking USC in this one. I don't think Drake or even if Wichita State somehow pulls off, in my opinion, the quote-unquote upset in that first four game, I don't think they have the talent to beat USC. But I will say this. If USC is in a close game, they only have one player shooting over 70% from the free throw line. Interesting. That, that's a bit scary when you're looking at March. But for the first round, I'm taking USC. So we all agree on that, and we're taking the Trojans. All right, moving on now. We are going to move on to a pretty good matchup we have here. Kansas versus the Eastern Washington Eagles. Harris, who do you have in this one? So I'm going to make this quick because I do have Kansas, and I would be shocked if other people don't. But the only con is that Kansas is missing – McCormick, I believe, is not playing. Wilson, I believe, is not playing. And pronounce me his name, Keith. Tristan Inaruna. Inaruna, beautiful. Is also not playing. I'm taking Kansas, however, in this game. Just too much firepower. I completely agree with you, Harris. I think even off of a COVID pause, Kansas has way too much superpower for uh, Eastern Washington. So I'm taking the Jayhawks. You said superpower. Interesting. What superpower do you think Kansas has? They're just way too good for Eastern Washington. I honestly, and Harris, I know I told you this. I, this is a team where if they win the national championship, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they do, I'm really not blinking twice. Yeah, and I think their superpower is their head coach, Bill Self, who is easily one of the best coaches in the country. And with Eastern Washington, I mean, they only lost to Washington State by three, only lost to Arizona by three, played St. Mary's to a five-point game, lost to Oregon by 17. So three out of those four against high major opponents or what we would call good teams were five points or less. So they can hang in these games, but yeah, Kansas just has too much athleticism and they're too experienced, too good of a coach. He doesn't lose early in the tournament. So I'm going with the Jayhawks, but moving on here, we have a really tough matchup to pick. We have Oregon against VCU. Ty, what you got? Well, this one was tough for me. This was, in my opinion, I think the toughest one in this region. Uh, but prior to losing in the Pac-12 tournament, Oregon won 11 of their last 12 games. Dana Altman kind of got this team on the right track at the right time. Eugene Omori is averaging 17 points per game, having a phenomenal season. Uh, I'm going to take the Ducks in this one. I love VCU in the tournament. I just think this was an unfortunate matchup for them. I'm taking the Ducks. Quack, quack. Guys, going on to the Kansas Eastern Washington thing, did you guys know there's a conspiracy online that Bill Self wears a toupee? No. no. <laughs> so let me explain to you. Do, you. do you guys know what a toupee is? Well, yeah, I, do I know think most people know what a toupee is, Harris. I'm just, because re- I was researching Bill Self, and I see that there's this 
thousands of views of does Bill Self wear a toupee, an in-depth photo investigation. This is a very interesting sequence of events we have here. Is this just in? There is an investigation not only over Bill Self's potential cheating allegations, but does he wear a toupee? Harris, we know it's interesting to you because you just Google (laughs) random facts to spew on the podcast. Last week it was ETN day called the end day or whatever his name was. (laughs) That was Bill Self's toupee. I don't know what goes on in your head sometimes. I think it's just pure bliss and knowledge that goes on in my head. But I will say very quickly, I have Oregon in this game. They've been playing amazing ever since Will Richardson got back. That Oregon State game was a big outlier. Oregon State shot over 50% from three, while Oregon shot 24%. And like I said, Eugenio Marie is great inside. They have a couple really good guards in Duarte and Richardson. VCU thrives when they can force turnovers, and I just don't think Oregon is going to let that up to them. I think Bill Self's Bill Self and his two pair are going to go to the Elite Eight, but I think Oregon is going to beat VCU and they're going to beat Iowa. They shoot thirty eight percent as a team, three point shooting, very impressive. We've seen Dana Altman in tournament time; it's it's pretty, and they're deeper. They have the best player as well with Chris Duarte. As I can see, you guys are getting a little mad at me and saying and shaking your heads in the camera, but I'm going to say Oregon wins this game. Yeah, we all have the same thing. But moving on now to Iowa, a team you already mentioned. They play against... <laughs> Little teaser there. Or a spoiler. A spoiler. But, that was a complete but, spoiler. You had Iowa making <laughs> the next round and then Oregon beating Iowa. You gave up that whole quadrant. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Okay, that's why you guys were shaking your heads yes, at me. We, oh. we aren't mad at the pick. We all agreed on that it. That just flew past just like my we head. We agreed on everything else so far just about. But Iowa takes on Grand Canyon. Ty, what do you have? I think it's a no-brainer. I think GCU is a great school, and it's 10, 15 minutes from our campus of Arizona State University, but that's all I have for Grand Canyon. Iowa is going to derail them. I think Luca Garza will have at least 30 points in this one. I think Iowa's easy money for this, no doubt. GCU, I'm going to say this because it's going to be pretty bold, is the complete anti-Iowa. Iowa shoots 40% from three, top 15 in the country. GCU gives up a 28% three-point percentage, sixth in the country. Iowa's sixth in the country in scoring, 84 points per game. GCU gives up 61 points per game, ninth. GCU is a great inside scoring team, 58% from two. We know Iowa relies on the three ball. Keith, again, help me with the pronunciation. Ashton Mittgard? Asborn Mittgard. Oh, gosh. Asborn Mittgard. Seven foot, 270. A defensive brick wall could give Luca Garza a lot of problems. So, guys, without further ado, I have a major upset pick coming. I was not balanced. Remember those unbalanced teams struggle against teams? 2012 Missouri, 2013 Georgetown, 2012 Duke, all sub-top 50 in offense or defense, and top 10 in offense or defense. 28 was sub was 30th in offense and first in defense. Unbalanced teams struggle. And sorry, and sorry, guys, I know I'm giving you a major monologue here, but Grand Canyon is built to beat Iowa. The reason why I was saying Oregon goes to the Sweet 16 and Kansas and Bill Self's toupee go to the Elite Eight is because Grand Canyon is going to spoil things for the Hawkeyes. It's been a great season. Fran McCaffrey's going to have to wait on his first Sweet 16 bid because Grand Canyon is winning this game. So I just want to say something really quickly. You literally five minutes ago said that you have Oregon beating Iowa. 
Oh, did I say that? Oh, shoot. Maybe I was trying to not cover for my upset pick, guys. Think about that. Oh, no. You were throwing them off for three (laughs) minutes. a little curveball there. Yeah. And it's nice that you took five minutes to explain that upset pick. And you didn't even mention Alessandro Lever, who was averaging 13 points a game, three rebounds a game, 1.7 assists. He's 6'9", 235. They start two guys who are 6'10", or taller, and 235. That's a recipe to beat Luka Garza. And when you look at Grand Canyon, they're 108th in Ken Palm, 74th in defensive efficiency. And when you look at teams that pass, your Middle Tennessee States, your FGCUs, your Norfolk States, these are teams, your Lehigh's, these are teams that are normally 110th or higher in Ken Palm um, or in the upper 100s. So you agree with? I'm not going to be bold to pick this in my own bracket. Okay. But if we're going in on this together, Harris, give me GCU. We obviously know what's going on here. Ty is very visibly upset <laughs> in the camera. I'm, it's just like I'm that is the first round about it, but it's just like why? Like why? Like I get it. We obviously know what happened here. Keith didn't have the courage to go with it, but then I came here and picked GCU, so now I sort of Aaron's let him out. Going of- going oh, I was going to pick you. them by myself <laughs> either way, but it just gave me a little more confidence. And That's what I'm here for. Okay, we're going to move on to the South now, where Baylor is taking on Hartford. Real quickly, which team do we have here? I've got Baylor winning this game. It's quite simple. God squad me. Give me Baylor. Baylor is the team. So we're going to move on now to North Carolina versus Wisconsin, the 8-9. I think this is going to be one of the best games of the first round. Harris, what do you have? Wisconsin's lost eight out of their last 10 games. Again, Ty calling Baylor a God squad as an insult to the men upstairs. Let me just say that because Baylor's 44th in defense in Ken Palm. I don't think God would be 44th on defense in Ken Palm <laughs> if we put, if he played in college basketball. So give me North Carolina the round of 32 over Baylor. I think the Tar Heels have what it takes to upset Harris, the Bears. Why are you jumping <laughs> to the round of 32 again? Oh, are we going like round of 32 after we do the whole yes. bracket? I oh my gosh! Get... Okay, I had I had no idea. Clearly, I'm just off the We've rails. We said it over and over. <laughs> All right, just just restart that thing. Don't I'm clear. Say... I'm clearly just off the rails here. Just but restart the take. Wait, wait, wait. No. Oh How God. do you not know this? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Here, seriously, I'm not saying restart it totally, but don't say North Carolina over Baylor yet. North Carolina can out of the first round, fool. So for that reason, I take North Carolina over Wisconsin. Very. Very good take. Ty, who do you have? Because if if you have... You said good take, so I'm assuming you have North Carolina. I think Wisconsin's assist-to-turnover ratio is just too good. I think UNC is a very streaky team. I wouldn't be surprised if UNC wins, but... At least they're not consistently bad like Wisconsin over these last 10 games. You're looking at the 20th most experienced roster in D1. They know exactly who they are and what they are. I think they're good enough to beat North Carolina, who's a very... They're not a young team, but I wouldn't say they're very experienced. Yeah, they're not, but they've been improving throughout the season. And here's the problem. Wisconsin really struggles against the athletically superior teams, the teams with really good front lines that can just swallow up Reavers and Potter and Wall on the inside. So for that reason, I'm going to go with UNC. Yeah, uh, UNC, well put. Next game we've got going on, Villanova and Winthrop. Potential upset, sniff, sniff. I sniff it. I think there's going to be an upset. Winthrop who has one loss this season, will continue their tyrannous win streak, and they will beat a cold, depleted, and vulnerable Villanova team who's missing Colin Gillespie, their best player. 
potentially second best, say what you want. But yes, I'm taking Winthrop. I'm going to disagree here. I got Nova. Jay Wright is way too good of a coach. He doesn't lose early in the tournament. And they still have Jeremiah Robinson Earl. They're still a great three-point shooting team. And the best team Winthrop's played all year has been Furman. Yeah, it's not a great strength. Who didn't even make it to the Southern Conference Finals. They lost to UNC Asheville, who is a sub-200 Ken Palm team. I think Chandler Vaudrin is amazing, but I think Jay Wright is smart enough to game plan a way to slow him down. And Winthrop just doesn't shoot the three ball well enough to keep up with Villanova's shooters. Justin Moore is back and playing, as we saw in the Big East tournament. So for that reason, give me Nova. So, Keith, I'm going to say Villanova has some tournament minor setbacks here and there it was 20 when they were the number one overall seed 2017 they lost in the second round to wisconsin jay wright before he won that national championship in 2016 was known to be a tournament riddled coach he's lost games in that tournament before that's all i'm gonna say yeah i was just about to point that out harris but that's a really good point is before he won those two national championships and obviously being from philly and keith obviously kind of knows a little bit about it is every Villanova no. fan knew he's kind of from that, Philly that they were going to lose in the second round. It would, they, they just were the a second round team. They'd always win the first game, but no matter if they were a one seed, a two seed, a four seed, they were going to lose in the second round. So even if Villanova does win this game, which I don't have them, I have Winthrop winning and granted, I completely agree wow. with you. Winthrop has not had any real strength of schedule. They have played nobody through the course of the season. But I just think the loss of Colin Gillespie, and then obviously you have Jeremiah Robson Earl, who's doing a great thing. But Winthrop, they play 11 guys with different skill sets. I watched their, obviously their And I personally think that DJ Burns, who was on Winthrop, is a very, very solid player. And Harris, as you know, he was a former Tennessee recruit. Uh, he, yes, he GBO, up, indeed. He was a former Tennessee recruit. Yeah, he's rounding up into a pretty solid player. I'm going to take Winthrop in this one. So Winthrop will be advancing into the next round. Last thing I'm going to say here is just Villanova lost by one point in both those games against a really hot Georgetown team that ended up killing Seton Hall and Creighton in the finals. So Villanova played them really closely. And they only lost by one to Providence and held them to 54 points in that game. So I'm still rocking with the Wildcats, but it's all good. Now, moving on to the 4-13 matchup, we got Purdue taking on North Texas. We'll start out with the Texan himself. Keith, what do you got? This is a tough one because Purdue is a really good team. They were on, I think, a five or six game win streak going into the Big Ten tournament, but ended up suffering an early defeat in overtime to Ohio State because, as Ty said, it is extremely hard to beat a team a third time, especially that late in the season. He beat that like a dead horse and not my dead horse. (laughs) That was aggressive, but North (laughs) Texas is 71st on Kimpom. They have the 42nd best defense in the country. And Javion Hamlet is playing like a killer right now. If you saw them against Western Kentucky, you would know that. This is tough. I think I'm going to go North Texas here. Grant McCasklin is a very good coach who has just been waiting for his breakout game. And just like they handled Charles Bassey, if you can handle Charles Bassey, you can handle Travion Williams. Give me the mean green. My grandpa actually went there. So another little fun fact. Somebody's biased. (laughs) I'm bleeding green, baby. I'm bleeding green. Give me the mean green. Ty, you're shaking your head. What are you thinking? I just... Well, first of all, I completely agree with you. That was a really good take about the Charles Bassey thing. I think when you can handle a lottery pick in the interior, you definitely have a, a chance. But Purdue has the tallest roster in the Big Ten, and their rebounding rate is completely absurd. And as you stated a little bit, Travion Williams has 
arguably one of the most premier, I guess, per minute big men in the sport. As long as he stays out of foul trouble, I see the Boilermakers winning this one. So Matt Painter, I believe, is the only coach to go to three straight Sweet 16s in 2017 to 2019 in the whole country. He has consistency in the tournament. And I know because I picked Old Dominion over Purdue to try to seem trendy as the three versus 14 in 2019. That didn't happen as they obviously destroyed the hopes and dreams of my Tennessee volunteers. But oh, well, that's a conversation for another day. Guys, you're going against one of the most consistent coaches in college basketball right now. Purdue is going to beat North Texas. And I know because I've been there, I've picked upsets against Purdue before, and it just hasn't happened. So I'm taking the Boilermakers. I've learned my lesson. The next game we're going to talk about on the bracket is Texas Tech and Utah State. Now, this is a very interesting game. I've been so conflicted with this game. So, Ty, give me some advice. Help me out here because I don't know who to pick in this game. I'll be honest. Help me out. All right, I got you, Harris. No, no, no problem. I'm going to use a little bit of your book here, okay? So first, I'm going to go to Keith. Okay. Keith, pronunciation. The seven-foot junior, Nemias Queta, right or wrong? Nehemias Queta, one of the best big men in the country that doesn't Bingo. get talked about enough. Nehemias Queta, I don't know if you watched him, Harris, uh, against Colorado State. He had a monster. I do watch games, actually. So monster yes. game. Um, Good, we was, didn't know. We weren't sure. Basically a walking double-double. Dude averages 15 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. And they're a top 10 rebounding team in the country. Uh, And actually, they've been a top 10 rebounding team in the country all three of his seasons on campus. I actually just read that from ESPN. Shout out ESPN. But either way, I think that Utah State can win this game. I think it's a very winnable game. And I'm going to take Utah State. I'm a really big fan of the Big 12 other than Texas Tech. So I'm taking the Aggies in this one. I'm going to agree, agree with you here, Ty. Kata is seven foot, a beast. And you also have Justin Bean, who's about a six, seven versatile forward who also does some dirty work inside. The second tallest guy Texas Tech starts is probably Kevin McCuller, right? Something or, like or that. Or Terrence Shannon. Yeah. The second tallest guy in the rotation is a wing. And then their starting center, Marco Santos Silva is only six, eight, and he's a really scrappy, tough player, but I just think they're going to get dominated inside. Now, I do worry about Utah State's guard against the guards against the pressure of Mac McClung and some of these other guys from Texas Tech. And Chris Beard is a great coach, but I think so is Craig Smith. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and agree with you with Utah State. Yeah. So Utah State won before they lost to San Diego State in the Mountain West Championship six straight games, including a double digit win against Colorado State, who probably was going to be a tournament team if they beat Utah State. So that's a good win there. They swept San Diego State in the regular season. Nehemiah Cueta, crap, I forgot it. Fiddlesticks. Excuse my French. Anyway, (laughs) so let me just say Utah State's going to pull off the upset. Regardless of the French I say or not, Nehemiah Cueta (laughs) is going to take Utah State to the round of 32. And I'm not going to say where I have Utah State for the remainder as I'm not going to give up the sacred remainder of the bracket, but I'm going to say Utah State goes to the round of 32 for now. Finally, you're closing your big mouth. <laughs> um, but Funny, that's gonna... what my ex-girlfriend said to me. <gasps> <laughs> and now you're with stats. So it worked out. It clearly worked out well for you, Harris. That was a complete joke. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. I'm still trying to wrap my head around like well, how you came up with that. But okay. Arkansas plays Colgate. I think, should we start with Ty or should we wait till the end? Oh man. I kind of want to torture him and let him go last. Just okay. To see. Harris, then give your take about Arkansas Colgate to start off. Watching Ty wait to talk about Colgate is like watching a child not being allowed to open their Christmas present until the next no, morning. We're sitting in timeout. We're sitting in timeout. I am sitting in timeout because you guys have no clue what I'm about to say. Nope, you're not allowed to talk. Harris is giving his take. Quit interrupting, Ty. So <laughs> coming into this game, I was like, man, or the tournament, I was like, man, Colgate can beat teams. They're a sleeper. They're very good as Ty is looking at me looking at me, but I'm going to say Arkansas wins. And I wanted to protect Colgate really far because I get that they're eighth in the net computer metrics like them. But if you just watch them in their personnel, Jordan Burns is a bucket. They are a great team, but I'm so high on Arkansas. And since they put Justin Smith in their lineup, they've been like 20 and three or something like that. They won six straight games, 11 of their last 12 before they lost to LSU in the conference championship. I'm sorry to the Colgate faithful out there and Jeff Woodward. I am truly sorry. And I hope you do prove me wrong, but I'm going to say Arkansas wins this game. Yeah. I think Matt Langle is a better coach than Eric Musselman because freezing cold take. Harris, you know that I'm not an Eric (laughs) Musselman fan because of his days at Nevada and he always underperforms in the tournament. Um, He went to the Sweet 16. Yeah, but what did he do the next year? Lost to a really bad 40. Oh, come on. Let me get into the take though. Arkansas has way better guards. Moses Moody, they're going to put right on Jordan Burns and really give him issues because Moses Moody is 6'5", athletic, long, and Burns is six foot probably. And I just don't know that Keegan Records is going to get it done inside. And Jeff, I mean, Jeff Woodward's going to have a great game because why wouldn't he? And he's going to start his of course, magical four years of tournament dominance. But <laughs> Keegan Records is going to struggle inside against the big man, Connor Vanover. So... Woo, pig, suey, give me them Razorbacks. And now I can speak. This was a real heart stringer for me because, again, going into the tournament, first first of all, I thought they were going to be a 13 seed. They were not. They were a 14 seed. And watching them play that conference championship game, I was like, oh, my gosh, this team's so great. Their their pace is amazing. You know, obviously, Jordan Burns is phenomenal. Nelly Cummings is great. Keegan Records had a great game. And as we know, Jeff Woodward, my best friend, was balling out. And it, it I thought just, I was your best friend, Ty. No, no, no. But it really <laughs> strings my heart to do this. It really does. I love Jeff like a brother. I mean, we, we hung out every day over the summer since fourth grade. But – I have to take, I have to take Arkansas. I'm so sorry. I have to. I mean. Oh, you're a horrible friend. (laughs) Look, and here's the reason I'm saying that. This is honestly the worst matchup possible for Colgate. Worst. I mean, Arkansas averages 83 points per game. They were second in rebounding in the SEC at 40 rebounds per game. They have Moses Moody, Justin Smith, and sixth man of the year, J.D. Note, with at least six guys averaging at least one steal a game. I have the Razorbacks in the Elite Eight, and that's obviously a spoiler for that. But I think Colgate's a great team. If Colgate wins, I'll be ecstatic. But I really just can't do it. I think Arkansas is a better team. I do agree with Keith's point. I think Matt Langle is a phenomenal coach. He's a great person. Um, I've talked to him a couple of times. So I, I completely agree with Keith's take, but 
I'm going to have to roll with the Razorbacks on this one. I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I'm praying for Jeff. I'm really hoping that Colgate wins, but taking the Razorbacks. But well, clearly on. Ty is a backstabbing best friend. It's very obvious. But next game we have, a.k.a. Tennessee Sun, Florida, taking on Virginia Tech. So I'm going to take Vautech in this game. I think Vautech, they have a great record. They have a great resume. Yes, they lost pretty bad in the ACC tournament to – was it? I'm blanking. Oh my God. North gosh. Carolina. North Carolina. Lost by 16. Excuse my minor setback, but major, major comeback here. I'm taking the Hokies. I think they win this game. I think Florida's tremendously overseeded. I think Virginia Tech was a little underseeded as based on how good they are. But anyway, I'm taking the Hokies. Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to take Florida. I was a pretty big Florida quote unquote fan. And then I saw how they played against Tennessee and it kind of really didn't do anything for me. Uh, I, am taking Virginia tech in this one. They have pretty quality wins over Virginia and Villanova. Virginia tech's a really slow paced team. And I think that's kind of the key to beating Florida is going slow pace, using that to their advantage. I think they'll do that. And I'm going to take the Hokies as well. Yeah. I'm going to agree with y'all. I think Mike young is the much better coach in this matchup. And you mentioned their game against Tennessee that they lost by, I think 16 points. Me and Harris were actually live at that game at the SEC tournament. It was an absolute ball of a time. Yeah, and we had a lot of great videos on the Triple Threat Twitter at Trip Threat CBB if you want to go give that a follow real quick. But, yeah, I got Virginia Tech. Not much more needs to be said. And moving on, moving on now, Ohio State versus Oral Roberts. Harris, we'll start with you. First off, let me say, at those bridge at Bridgestone Arena, their chicken strips cost about 10 bucks. It was ridiculously expensive. Overpriced. And they were so overpriced. They were so mediocre. But They were mad. Let me just say, for Florida to beat Vautech, they're going to need Omar Payne to come back in and give an old elbow to Keve Oluma right Ooh. in the face if they want to beat Vautech. Wow. Omar Payne, I am not very happy with you, mister, that you did to my precious John Fulgerson. But <laughs> anyway, as a, you know, as a Tennessee fan, I had to... In, had to had to get my input, but so go to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> so go back to Ohio State and maintain my mutual impartial preference. But Oral Roberts played Mizzou and Oklahoma State close in the year. Ohio State is not good defensively, like Iowa. They're not very balanced. I was conflicted with the Ohio State team. If it were bef- if I didn't watch them play in the Big Ten championship game, I would have picked Oral Roberts in this game as a potential upset. But the eye test completely swung me. I think Ohio State can win this game against Oral Roberts. I think they can make it decently far in the NCAA tournament. I think Ohio State is going to win this game. Without a doubt. I think you're exactly right. Um, Ohio State played very, very well in the Big Ten Championship. Uh, I honestly didn't think they would play that well against Illinois, and they did. They proved me wrong. So I'm taking Ohio State in this one. I think it's you know pretty simple. Yeah, I'm going with Ohio State, too. I do want to mention Oral Roberts has Max Abrams, the country's leading scorer. But at the same time, while I do think this is the second most dangerous 15 versus two matchup, I'm going to go with Ohio State here. And yeah, moving on to the Midwest bracket. Michigan's the one seed in the East. Whereas Illinois is the one seed in the Midwest and Houston is the two seed in the Midwest guys, just for time's sake, we all have the number one and number two seeds in those two regions advancing, right? Yeah, as much as Rick Pitino would like to beg otherwise, yeah, I have all the ones and twos advancing. Rick Pitino would have to throw in a lot more bags than he did at Louisville to win this game. I'm taking all the one and two seeds to win this time. So 
just starting off with the Midwest, a very loaded 8-9 matchup, arguably one of the most loaded 8-9 matchups that we've seen, arguably in our lifetime. We got Loyola Chicago taking on the ACC champ, Georgia Tech. I'll start off with Harris. Who do you got? This is the most watchable and a loaded 8 versus 9, I think, of all time. Is this the most stacked 8 versus 9 in history? that I can think of. I can't think of anything in recent memory. Yeah, I can remember. In recent memory, I can remember. I 100%, yeah. There's been some other stacked eight versus nines, like 2011 Villanova, George Mason was one that had very high computer metrics for both teams. Anyway, irrelevant. Let me just say both these teams are stacked and they do not deserve to play each other. Georgia Tech won the ACC championship. Loyola is top 10 metrically ranked in two, three, whatever different computer metrics. They might have the best defense in the country. Agreed. This is a team that has gone to the Final Four in the tournament. I came in thinking, wow, Georgia Tech's won, I think, eight, nine straight games. Jose Alvarado's been balling. If you take out that Mercer and Georgia State loss where they didn't practice because of COVID, yes, they had the resume of a nine seed, and it was their decision not to practice. But let's be real. Take out those two games where they didn't actually practice. They're about as good as a six or seven, I would say. And Loyola, I would say, is underseeded. Then the metrics say that. I had them as a six. I think that's their resume. Their point differential is just too good. I think they're beating teams by about 16 points per game. This is a loaded eight versus nine. They don't deserve to be playing each other. I know I'm giving you guys a monologue here, but I'm going to take Loyola Chicago. I want to take Georgia Tech so bad, but I'm taking Loyola in this game. Loyola's just got too much. They're too balanced, I think, in my opinion, and they're red hot like Georgia Tech is. I'm taking Loyola. I completely agree with you, Harris. I think just one thing to add on to that is they shoot over 50% from the field and they really run their offense through Cameron Crutwig, who leads the team in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks. Uh, I'm not a huge Georgia Tech fan either, so I'm taking Loyola Chicago on this one. Let's not disrespect Jose Alvarado, the ACC player of the year, Moses Wright, that none of us saw coming. And one of the most strangest, likable, oddball head coaches in the country, and Josh Pastner, <laughs> but yes. they've they've struggled when they played Virginia this year. They've lost twice. And also, while yes, Georgia Tech is on a run, they only beat Miami of Florida by four. They only beat Florida State by five. They only beat Wake Forest by 12. And they only beat Duke by four in their last four games. And while all of those were wins, they underperformed a little bit. I trust Porter Moser. I trust this Loyola Chicago team. And they may be better than Virginia when it's all said and done. I was just about to say, Keith, I think Loyola is the strongest team Georgia Tech has played all year. I think they're better than Florida State. I think they're better than Virginia. That could very well be. And for that reason, I think we're all going to agree here. Loyola Chicago. Next, we have Tennessee, Harris's beloved team, against Oregon State. Ty, I feel like you're going to have an interesting take on this one. So we'll start with you. So here's the thing, right? We have a, a, tr- a trend in our our collective bracket where two of the people, or excuse me, two of the people have to vote a team to advance, right? Right. Okay, cool. Glad that we're on that. And Harris's weird conspiracy theory picked GCU and you said, all right, yeah, sure. I'll pick GCU. So I truly believe that Tennessee is going to win this, but for the sake of this bracket, I'm picking Oregon State. No, you did not. Go Beavers. No, you did not. You know that is absolute blasphemy. Take that French I don't care out of what mouth. you say, Stephen A. Smith Jr. I'm going to go after over Keith, and Keith's going to say Oregon State, and then we're going to just advance them to the next round. I don't even care if he thinks Tennessee's actually going to win, because I do too. But just for the sake of this bracket, and you don't have to talk about the Vols, Beavers. Yeah, I think Tennessee's actually going to win, and for our listeners, take Tennessee. Do it. You're going to be right, probably. Oregon 100%. This 5-12 matchup is not favoring Oregon State's not that good of a team. They got really hot from three. 
And but if this matchup did come down to which head coach sweat more out of their armpit, Wayne <laughs> Tinkle is always going to take that game. So give me the Beavers and they're going to move on. Harris, who do you have winning? Well, despite Wayne Tinkle sweat tinkling out of his armpit. See what I did there? Real knee slap. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> we are a lot of that. jokes. Dad joke here and there. But anyway, when I saw Oregon State was the 12, I know I'm obviously biased, but I was fairly happy. We didn't get Georgetown. We didn't get UCSB. We didn't get Winthrop. If I was a Tennessee fan, they're playing against any of those teams, I would say they're in jeopardy to lose. But Oregon State's not a 12 seed. Their win over Colorado, their win over, was it USC, maybe, was a complete outlier. Oregon, excuse me, complete outlier. They're shooting over 50% from three, near 50% in both of those games. That doesn't happen against a scrappy Tennessee team, as John Rothstein describes them. A bunch of Dobermans, I agree. It's a fantastic defensive team. (laughs) I think Tennessee wins this game. It's fairly simple. So. Screw you, Ty. (laughs) Glad that Oregon State won. Oklahoma State versus Liberty. We'll make Ty wait since he's the biggest Cade Cunningham fan on the planet. I'll actually start this one. I think Oklahoma State, like we said, should have been a three seed. I was thinking Liberty gives them a lot of problems. They're an experienced team. Richie McKay is a really good coach. They're going to run that pack line defense, which is going to make Oklahoma State shoot a lot from the outside. And if this game took place a month ago – I'm taking Liberty easy because I think they would make it tough to get the ball to Caleb Boone. I think they would make sure they clamp up Cade Cunningham. And I didn't know if the shooters were there, but now that Avery Anderson and Ferran flavors and these other guys are hitting their stride from deep. Caleb Boone's doing his thing inside. Matthew Alexander Moncrief has really improved throughout the season. Mike Boyne's a really good coach. I think that Oklahoma state gets the job done in the first round. Yeah, I'm also going to take Oklahoma State, but out of all the four versus 13s, I think this is the most likely to happen where the 13 wins. By contemplating Florida State and UNCG, but I think Liberty is the most likely 13 to beat a four, but Oklahoma State's just too good. They've been red hot as of late. Kate Cunningham's number one pick. Ferran Flavors, Isaac Likely. Mike Boynton's proven to be a good coach so far. I like Oklahoma State in this game. I don't even have to say anything other than Cade Cunningham. Give me Oklahoma State. Give me the Cowboys. San Diego State, Syracuse. And, guys, before we go on to this, I just want to mention, there's a lot of orange in this bracket. Illinois has orange. A lot of orange. Loyola, Chicago has a little bit of orange. Tennessee, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Syracuse, Clemson. And, you know, I mean, you could say red's kind of a shade of orange. So Rutgers, Houston, Liberty. Either way. Funny side comment, Keith, San Diego State or Syracuse? That was a really, that was a big exposure of your funny side there, Ty. Yeah, (laughs) almost as good as stats. (laughs) Yeah, so we have a whole lot of orange here. We know Playboy Carter released a whole lot of red earlier this year, and it was terrible. It was one of the worst albums we've heard in a long time. (laughs) I'm hoping this bracket It was no Lent Biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I hope that this bracket is a lot better than Playboy Cardi's awful album. And in this game, I'm going to go with San Diego State. They are way too good of a defensive team, of a disciplined team. They're 23-4 and four for a reason. Like we said, Syracuse should be in the first four right now. They're a very overrated team. And Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle, and the guys are just going to be too defensively sound to give Syracuse issues. So I'm taking the Aztecs. Harris, what do you think? So Syracuse's best win is against who? 
I mean, it's not great. I, I know we went over this and this, but probably Bryant, North Carolina. No, oh, North Carolina, but Bryant, Bryant's up there. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but let me say, Syracuse has beaten absolutely no one to prove that they even belong in the NCAA yep. tournament. San Diego State hasn't lost since January 16th. I can't quite count this, but this looks like they've won like 11 or 12 straight games. Come on, people. Give me the Aztecs over Syracuse. I think they win by double digits. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The Aztecs, they have a top 10 defense, in my opinion, both in terms of scoring and opponents' field goal percentage. I got the Aztecs in this one. And I'm not going to give anything away, but don't be surprised if they make a little run. We got West Virginia versus Moorhead State. Moorhead State obviously are in the NCAA tournament for the first time in a decade. But Harris, who do you got in this one? I believe the last time Moorhead State was in the tournament, they beat Louisville in 2011. That's just off the top of my head, but I don't know if that's correct. So don't quote me on that. But well, I, that's thanks to my airport buddy, Kenneth Free, that I met in customs at an airport in Mexico. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's my dog. Wow. You met Kenneth Fareed. I saw Tim Tebow speak. Let me just say. Oh, that's a flex and a half. <laughs> well, a, I played against flexes. Deion Sanders' peewee team. Dang it. I, I don't have a one-upper. I don't have a one-upper. Let's go. <laughs> just like Moorhead State doesn't have a one-upper against West Virginia. Great Great segue. segue <laughs> yeah, I'm taking West Virginia in this game. They don't deserve to be a four, whatever. Moorhead State. If Nick Musinski. three? They don't deserve to be a three. They should be a four, you mean? Yeah, yeah. they should be playing Tennessee in the suite, in the round of 32. Let me Ooh. just say, because Tennessee is going to be an Oregon State. But West Virginia will win this game against Moorhead State. I'm sorry to all those Moorhead fans out there. The Mountaineers, Bob Huggins is dominant in the tournament. We know this goes West Virginia. I completely agree. Not a huge fan of Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers, especially because they're four and seven against ranked opponents, and they do defend the three well. I think it is Moorhead State, though, so I'm going to take the Mountaineers. Yeah, I think Gabe Osaboyan and Derek Culver will lock down Janai Broom. And also, Moorhead State really struggled against Ohio State and Kentucky earlier this year, losing by 30-plus. I think they're a different team now. But at the same time, I just don't think that they get it done. Rutgers versus Clemson. Clemson being the higher-seeded team here. This is a 7-10 matchup. Ty, what do you think? Well, personally, at first glance, I thought Clemson 100%. I think they're a pretty defensive squad, and – Amir Sims is playing phenomenal. He's the only Clemson player averaging double digits. And that's why I'm taking Rutgers. I looked at the roster. It's really not that deep. They share the wealth a lot. They have a pretty deep rotation. They got 11 players playing at least 10 minutes per game. But I think Rutgers will defeat Clemson. I think that Jacob Young and Miles Johnson are going to be too much for the Tigers. COVID could not interrupt Rutgers making the tournament this time. Because the last time Rutgers made the NCAA tournament, guys, it was 1991. It was yep. a crazy time. Bill Clinton was in office, ladies and gentlemen. I love how you always know the president that was in <laughs> office the last time things happened. You're, you're a real U.S. history scholar. <laughs> I'm a U.S. history scholar, but what can I say? I got a Cronkite. Every Cronkite kid's a U.S. history scholar, except yeah. for Ty. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know who Ty is. <laughs> I'm not at all. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Wow. Well, I'm going to say Clemson is too much. These teams are a lot alike. They're both very defense-minded. However, Clemson's point differential is polluted by two, three maybe bad losses when they went on a cold streak. If you take out those three games, they're about a five or six seed, yep. maybe even five seed flat. Clemson's got a pretty good resume outside of those three. So Clemson's been more consistent all season. Rutgers has lost some weird games here and there. So I'm taking Clemson. I think they win this game. And we're all, since we're all in agree. Oh, Keith, I'm so sorry. I almost cut him out. Keith, 
Yeah, you were trying your best, but I'm going to give my take in there. It's one-to-one. We don't have a winner for this game yet. Oh, gosh. And it's been a while since we've had this work out this way where we have a tiebreaker. But give me the Scarlet Knights. They get a win. They've been waiting so long for this moment. 30 years in the making, and they beat the Tigers just like Ohio State in the college football playoff. Clemson's bad luck in tournaments continues, and – Ron Harper Jr. is the difference here. He's the best scorer in this game. They also have Geo Baker, two players that can get hotter than any player on Clemson. And I think in the tournament, you need to go to guy. And I think that is the difference here. But we're going to move on to the East bracket. And again, a loaded 8-9 matchup, which we are just loving these 8-9 matchups in this tournament. We have LSU against St. Bonaventure. So what do you all have? Well, Looking at this game, first we saw this game pop up on screen. I said, oh my gosh, this is one of the most loaded 8-9 matchups, or at least this is what I saw first. And then I see Georgia Tech versus Louisville, or excuse me, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Chicago, and I'm thinking- Definitely not Louisville. Right, definitely not Louisville. Because <laughs> they didn't make it beef, but we'll keep talking. Which, which is weird. they have more cool. meat on the chicken wing, but this, but the committee likes no meat on Harris, the chicken you wing. love that analogy more than me at this point. <laughs> you just keep- yeah, right. I keep talking. St. Bonaventure's ranks top 50 nationally in adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency, which is huge for them. Uh, That's one stat that I looked at and said, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to take the Bonnies. But you know I'm more of an eye test guy. LSU played phenomenal basketball against Alabama in the SEC championship. Cam Thomas is averaging 23 points per game, uh, obviously partnered by Trenton Watford, who's averaging 17 points per game, and Javante Smart, who's averaging 16 points per game. They had three guys on the all, excuse me, two guys on the SEC first team, one on the all SEC second team. The Tigers can score. They lead the conference in free throws made per game. So I'm taking the Tigers in this one. For the next part of the episode, only exclusively on Spotify, Keith, Ty, and I are going to give our picks for the round of 32 and so on. It's going to be an absolute blast, a dark horse, Katy Perry level banger, as I like to say. So guys, do me a favor. Do us a favor. Put a smile on your face. Put a smile on our face because it's college basketball and everyone loves it. Be sure to tune in. For the next part of the episode is exclusively, again, on Spotify, where we will give our round of 32, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, and National Champions. Guys, thank you for tuning in, and cue the music. Ty, let me just say, look at you with the stats. If you tried to go and pick up a girl and list all those stats about St. Bonaventure's offensive and defensive efficiency, I think you could get a potential relationship there. Wow, look at you, Ty. Well, well, he needs some advice because Ty's been single for a while, so if there are any <laughs> great female college basketball fans listening, we're trying to hook our boy Ty Conrad up. Ty's single and ready to mingle. Ty, you should get an account on ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> 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 we should make a triple threat Christian Mingle account. How about that? Three chuckleheads looking for a girl. You already have one, Harris. Stats. Oh, that's right. Oh, stats. If you're listening, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to cheat on you. But keep, I'll keep, uh, keep going. <laughs> don't worry, Keith and Ty. I'll help you guys out. But LSU and St. Bonaventure would not be perfect for each other and Christian Mingle because they are two polar opposites. LSU is top 10 in the country in scoring. St. Bonaventure is top 10 in the country in points allowed. LSU's an inside scoring team. They score 70% of their points either from two or the foul line. I don't think the Bonnies have the size to fully combat that. LSU has turned it around as well these last two games. Went over Arkansas. It was scorching hot. One-point loss against Bama. I love St. Bonaventure. And when I saw that LSU was the eight in their region, I was so depressed. 
of course, Oklahoma and Missouri and the other eight versus nine that happened, which North Carolina and Wisconsin had to get paired up against each other. That's such a bummer. I think LSU is going to win this game, but I think St. Bonaventure got robbed. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that I could go before you, Harris, so we could have another tiebreaker situation because I have the uh, fiddlesticks. My bad. I have the bodies here. Mark Schmidt is a better coach than Will Wade because Will Wade sucks, and I will believe that for forever. And I also love Kyle Lofton. I also love Osin Osini. Uh, I just think their team altogether is fantastic. They've been on a roll. They're 16 and four, and they were not challenged in that 8 10 tournament, blew out VCU in the championship game. I love this Bonnie's team, and they are a threat to Michigan. They're not going to get to face Michigan in our bracket, but I love them against Michigan. So I'm sad about the Bonnies, but I'm excited to talk about this game, Colorado against Georgetown, the five versus 12 matchup. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, Georgetown's hot. I got them winning, and that's what it is. Okay, okay. Three of Colorado's quad one wins are against USC. So the resume is a bit – Bloated. <laughs> bloated. Thank you for finishing. Bloated. It's bloated. Bloated. Is, the pronunciation been... king is coming to save you again, Harris. <laughs> you know, keep saying bloated. That sounds like beluga whale. Are we at SeaWorld right now? Oh, my gosh. What goes on in your head? Jeez, Louise, Keith. Okay, Mr. Bill Self toupee. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking into this conspiracy, guys. I'm doing some investigative journalism. So put the tinfoil hat on while you're at it. <laughs> okay. Okay. But this game, Colorado Georgetown is going to come down to free throws. Only one team in the entire country has a higher free throw percentage than Colorado. They shoot 82% as a team from the line. Yep. It's going to be close. The leading scorer for Georgetown, their X factor in the Big East tournament, and their X factor in general is Dante Harris. Before the Big East tournament, he averaged seven points per game. Over his last three games, 14 points per game on 57% two-point field goal shooting. That does not keep up against Colorado, who starts four guys over six foot seven. They got maybe the biggest size in the country outside of Florida State. And giving a teaser, the two biggest teams going against each other, that'll be an extremely interesting matchup. If that were to happen, not going to give it up. But I'm taking Colorado. Ty, you're the tiebreaker. I am the tiebreaker. Tiebreaker, that's funny. Ty is the tiebreaker. Who would have thought? Oh, gosh. Cry me a river, Keith. You know, you know, Harris, <laughs> why would I cry? I, I, Harris, I was going to agree with you, honestly. I was. I was talking I, about Colorado. I really like them. Uh, I think they have one of the most efficient offenses in this year's field. McKinley Wright, the fourth, is playing phenomenal basketball all season in the Pac 12. But I don't think the Pac-12 is a great conference. However, I think Georgetown might have caught fire. Actually, I was going to say they caught fire too early, but they kind of needed to to make the tournament. Either way, as much as I really don't like siding with Harris, I'm going to take Colorado. Just because their loss against Oregon State was pretty uncharacteristic of them. They shot a very poor percentage from the free throw line, and they all lost by three. So uh, I don't know what really was happening in that game, but I'm going to take Colorado. One of my very favorite matchups in this, not only this bracket, but this whole bracket is Florida State, UNC, Greensboro. I'll kick it off with Keith pumping his fist. Keith, what do you got? I love Isaiah Miller. And I love West Miller. No relation. One's white, one's black. And they're too similar in age to be father and son. But West Miller's the coach. Isaiah Miller's the player. What scares me about UNC Greensboro is they don't shoot the three ball well. And they shoot it a lot. Florida State shoots the three ball really well, but they're streaky. I want to take UNC Greensboro so bad in this game because I love Isaiah Miller. I think he's the best guard in this game. And then Hayden Koval inside can really counteract Balsa Koprovica. He's the seven-footer. The seven-foot Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both are seven-footers. Hayden Koval being the seven-footer from UNC Greensboro. 
I am so divided on this game. And as much as I want to take UNC Greensboro, their inconsistent three-point shooting gives me enough problems. I'll take the Seminoles. I am pained to say it, but I've already taken too many upsets in this and give me the Seminoles as much as I hate it. Yeah, I think UNC Greensboro is another team where if they got matched up with somebody else, I could see them not even or not only making it past the round of 64, but potentially making a run. I really like this team. As Keith said, Isaiah Miller is a solid player. I think the Seminoles are a very solid team. They're a very deep team. They're one of the best offenses in college basketball. They have five players averaging at least one three-pointer per game. They also have one of the best offensive rebounding units in the country. I'm taking the Seminoles in this one. It's the size issue again for me. Isaiah Miller is the SoCon player of the year. He shoots 49% from two. And 21% from three. Yep. He's their only double-digit scorer, guys. Their only one. Against FSU, I think he struggles. FSU's top six scores are six foot six and over. Give me FSU because of the size. Next game, BYU, the Mormons. Do you think the Mormons can pull it out against Michigan State and UCLA, the fighting Brandon Davies? Keith, who you got? <laughs> you know I'd love to take Brandon Davies's. All the alma mater. Still would rather take Brandon Davies and Jeff Woodward to prom. I would love to take Brandon Davies as all alma mater here for the cloud, but because they kicked him out of school, <laughs> I'm going with the Spartans. Oh my Michigan gosh, State. that's not the only reason. Michigan State, like I said earlier, is on a roll right now. I know they just lost to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament, but before that, they beat Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio State in a span of four to five games. They're hot right now. They're playing like a really good team. Tom Izzo is a better coach than Mark Pope. So for that reason, and because BYU kicked Brandon Davies out, give me Michigan State. (laughs) One of the few inside jokes from Harrison Keith that I understand is the Brandon Davies reference. (laughs) One thing I want to say about that is I think Michigan State, first of all, should have been in the field, let alone the first four. Uh, I really like the Spartan team. They're a bit hot and cold, but I think against BYU, I think they should have no problem actually beating the Mormons. So unfortunately for Brandon Davies, I'm going to take the Spartans. (laughs) We're fortunate because he wants revenge, I think. (laughs) So we're going to call this game the Brandon Davies revenge tour, but Brandon (laughs) Brandon Davies is not going to get his revenge here because it is a complete myth. The Michigan State is a tournament team. They've lost in the first round two of the last three years. Keith and Ty, you guys are making faces at me. What, what is that? What is that hand gesture? Are you calling me a chicken? Yes. Yes, exactly. You read it perfectly. <laughs> Harris hates Brandon Davies. He I, doesn't I, want to see him give his revenge. It's done. Michigan State won. Move on. Either way, either way, Michigan State's moving on in our bracket. Yep. Ty, I am many things. I don't know if you believe in reincarnation or something, but I will not ever be a chicken. Come on now. I do not believe in reincarnation. Um, All right, so let's get to a team that actually matters. Texas. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me say. Let no me one say cares my... about your stats for the losing no, team. No, no one cares. <laughs> no, I'm overruling this. No one cares about the stupid stats about Brandon Davies. Texas <laughs> is playing Avaline Christian. We'll start off with the Longhorn fan. Keith, who do you got in this one? Hook them. You know, I'm terrified for this game. I think that. Give me. Oh. Hayden Cole is a really good center. He really is. And I think that he would give a lot of teams problems. But Jericho Sims is playing like a monster. You all saw him in the Big 12 championship game. He was an absolute beast and was really the reason that Texas won that game. I think that Texas guards are better. I am scared because Abilene Christian is 
30th in defensive efficiency. So this may be a Uh-oh. more low-scoring game. You may want to take the under on this one, but I'll take Texas and I'll make it short. We'll talk more about them later. As much as I love the hand gesture, hook them horns, I don't. I love horns down. But for this matchup, I'm going to hook them. I think it's a no-brainer in this one. I think – and Matt Coleman, I will say, really impressed me against Oklahoma State. Had a phenomenal game. I'm taking the Longhorns in this one, and I I honestly don't think it's a a question. I think it's definitely a question, but I don't think I trust Ty's credibility anymore because he believes in reincarnation. But anyway (laughs) – I literally said I didn't believe in reincarnation, <laughs> but sure, mean my words, whatever. I'm, we're getting I'm, way too spiritual on here, so to get us back on track, we're going to move on to another amazing game. Oh my gosh, game. I haven't even, I've gotten to take my picks for the last two games, people. Let's, let me let me speak. I, Paris, I'm not going to point that this year. moving on. Paris, you have 25 <laughs> seconds. You have 25 seconds. Go. Okay, and the 25 seconds, I'm going to say Brandon Davies will not get his revenge. BYU will win this game. They're a 38% three-point shooting team. They shoot 80% from the line. Their guards will give Michigan State trouble. Texas will beat Abilene Christian. Although Abilene Christian is a very sneaky team, I will say they shoot 35% from three, and they're good on defense. 61 points per game. Time's up. Okay, that was 25 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Boom. So UConn versus Maryland. (laughs) spurging out whatever he needs to do anyway Keith I'm going to take it from you UConn versus Maryland but I'm going to kick it off with you first because I really don't want to hear Harris speak again UConn (laughs) or Maryland who do you got uh, Ty, I'm gonna pass it back to you, and then you can pass to me again, and then we'll finally give it to Harris. And then I'll block your shot in the stands, and then run and go get the ball, and then dunk it on the other end. Too bad no, you're five foot seven. No, you won't. Ty, Too bad you're the only one under I just need a ladder, and I'm good. Ball. Anyway, uh, I think it's without a, a no-brainer. James Booknight knows what he's doing. He averages around 20 points per game. Ever since he's been back, UConn's been a little, a little fire under their stomach. So I'm going to take UConn in this one. As much as I want to take Maryland in this, I think Daryl Morcell is an amazing defender and could really possibly shut down James Booknight. The truth is, UConn has won every game by double digits with James Booknight in the lineup, except for games against Creighton and Villanova and their win against USC on a neutral earlier this year. So it would really be dumb to pick against UConn I'm sorry in this spot here I'm going with (laughs) the Huskies yeah I'm going with the Huskies too like you said with book night they've been substantially better a better team I think if they had book night healthy all season they'd be about a four or five seed I think they would have won the Big East I don't think Georgetown would have won the Big East I don't think they'd be in the tournament so I'm going to say UConn Huskies take this game we're all in agreement that Houston will win that two seed will win that 215 game so and due to time constraints, that's going to officially do it for the Blaze Radio version of the episode on Blaze Radio and Blaze Radio Online. A lot of blazes there, but anyway, you guys get the point. For the next part of the episode, only exclusively on Spotify, Keith, Ty, and I are going to give our picks for the round of 32 and so on. It's going to be an absolute blast, a dark horse, Katy Perry level banger, as I like to say. So guys... Do me a favor. Do us a favor. Put a smile on your face. Put a smile on our face because it's college basketball and everyone loves it. Be sure to tune in for the next part of the episode is exclusively again on Spotify where we will give our round of 32 Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four and National Champions. Guys, thank you for tuning in and cue the music. And for the Spotify listeners, unfortunately, Blaze cut us off a little bit due to time constraints, but we're back in the round of 32 at the top of the bracket. We got Gonzaga taking on Oklahoma. Start off with Harris. Who do you got? 
Gonzaga's going to win this game. OU's been cold. Gonzaga's got more firepower, plain and simple. Better guards, better centers, better forwards, better team, better coach, better whatever. You name it. So I'm taking Gonzaga. That was some great analysis. <laughs> better all of that, and I agree with you. Gonzaga's been way more consistent, and they're a better team than Oklahoma. So go Zags. Yeah, pretty basic and simple. Gonzaga's a better team. They have better players. In my opinion, they have a better coach. And honestly, even if fan bases travel, I think they have a bigger fan base. So I'm going to take the Zags. So based on our expert analysis, we've concluded that Gonzaga is better than Oklahoma. Blazing hot start, guys. We got a lot more (laughs) coming on. Next game, UCSB against, I believe we voted on Virginia. Is that correct? Correct. Ty was unfortunately overruled by his blasphemous Jason Preston, Ohio take, whatever, Ty. But anyway, UCSB against Virginia. Ty, who you got? I got to go with the best mascot in the sport. The Gauchos are moving on to the Sweet 16. Again, I think Ja'Cory McClellan is too much for Virginia, and I'm going to take UCSB. I think UCSB is going to have a tough time scoring against Jay Huff. I think Virginia has one of the best coaches in the country. Yes, they've struggled a little bit here and there. They've been a little inconsistent. They did lose to San Francisco. That loss is an outlier. Unless if UCSB starts raining threes, uh, like 10 percentage over their three-point percentage, which is, it's March. That can possibly happen, but I'm taking Virginia. I think Jay Huff and the size up front is going to be too much for UCSB. This is also one of Tony Bennett's most balanced teams he's ever had, might I say. Yeah, so we know Virginia always plays at a so slow pace. This is their slowest pace maybe they played at because they're the slowest team in the country this year. But UCSB plays at a very slow pace too. They're used to this, and – they're not going to be threatened by this Virginia team. And I searched up a gaucho is a cowboy of the South American Pampas. And they look sick, dude. They have this cool hat. So go gauchos. Let's do it (laughs) on the way to the sweet 16. We got our double digit seed in there as always happens. And me and Ty are just celebrating right now because go gaucho. I've been overruled. I'm juiced. <laughs> well, we got a Southern California team who's a bit streaky taking on Kansas in the round of 32. I'll kick it off with Harris. As much as I don't like you speaking, Kansas or USC? Oh, Ty, you're hiding it. You love to hear me wait, speak. I know. It's not, it's not Kansas versus USC. We do that. It's Kansas versus Oregon. Oh, wait. No, no, it's Kansas versus USC. Oh, my USC. gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. I just re- Yeah, cut my part out. Keep going. I think keep Ty off his high horse here. Okay. All right, I'm just going to say, as much as I want to take USC because their resume is fairly underrated, they beat BYU by 26 and take those three Colorado losses out, and they're a three or four seed. And Kansas is missing their three three of their five best players, two starters essentially. So I'm going to take Kansas, however, because I don't like the coaching battle. Bill Self is a substantially better coach than Andy Enfield. However, do not be surprised if USC wins this game because Evan Mobley being a seven-footer inside without David McCormick, oh my gosh, he could have an, he could go on an absolute rampage in tournament time. USC has the talent to win this game, but I think Kansas sneaks it. I completely agree with you. I'm not a huge fan of USC. I am a huge fan of Evan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley, but other than that, they're kind of a lackluster team to me, so I'm going to take Bill Self and the Jayhawks. Yeah, there's still a chance that McCormick plays uh, as they could fly out later in the week. But Kansas, they're not going to be able to practice a ton during this COVID pause that they have because they're trying to make sure certain people aren't infected. They're not going to have their full team. So for that reason, 
I'm going to take USC here, but Kansas already moved on. I just think their size is a little too much. And while I think Kansas has a better coach, better guards, all that, I just feel USC here, but Kansas is going to move on. So now we have Iowa, no, Grand Canyon <laughs> yes, against yes. the Oregon Ducks. Ty, since you just seem thrilled that Grand Canyon is in the round of 32, what's your take? Well, I had Oregon over Iowa in my bracket, which I think is the logical choice. However, our two chuckleheads decided to choose Grand Canyon over Iowa. So therefore, we have the Ducks taking on the Antelopes. Uh, I think, without a doubt, I'm screaming Oregon. I'll slam whatever spread is on this. I think it's, without a doubt, Oregon. Ty, you've had many bad takes. And so have you. But one of your worst takes is you said that UCSB has the best mascot. In college basketball. No, 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 no. You think an antelope? You think an antelope is better than a... No, no, you're wrong. You're just wrong. No, you're. I don't even want you to finish your point. You're wrong. You're wrong. Just swallow it and you're wrong. Oh, Ty, put a sock in it. You know I'm right and you're no, jealous. You know no. what, Ty? I'm just going to have you sign up on ChristianMingle.com and your bio is going to say, I heart antelopes. And then the girls are going to be all over you. <laughs> Why I, can't wait for this, I can't wait for this no context preview by the way because it because christian mingle so much confirmed dude i might have to do two there's like gonna be yeah. eight funny pictures <laughs> of women this basketball <laughs> my goodness okay whatever Let, let's talk let's talk about basketball i'm sorry i get a little off topic here i'm a little a little bit off, off the rails man i'm going oregon but i did want to announce this before i'm 51 49 on kansas usc so if i announce that i changed my pick i will verbally tweet it so be aware for that, at Harris Hicks underscore, give myself a little promotion there. But anyway, whatever. I'm taking Oregon in this game. Like Ty said, hammer whatever spread, yada, yada, yada. Next game, we have, oh, no, Keith. Quack, quack, move on. <laughs> yeah, okay, Keith didn't give his take, even though I didn't get to give my take for a couple, but whatever. We'll let Keith oh give, give his take. Next game, we got Michigan and LSU. This one's sneaky, but Ty will kick it off with you. Michigan is without Isaiah Livers. Granted. Right. I yes. think Isaiah Livers is the glue to this team. I'm pretty I, in my opinion, I think Hunter Dickinson is the best player on this team. However, I think Isaiah Livers is the glue to this team. They lost to Illinois by 23 without IO. And I really like LSU's offense. So by process of elimination, I'm taking the Tigers. Ty, you may like LSU's offense as it is ranked fifth in the country, but guess whose offense is sixth in the country with Isaiah Livers, Michigan. Yeah, and without Isaiah Livers, I would probably say they're still top 30, right? That's fair, yeah. Well, guess who has the seventh best defense in the country? Michigan. And guess <laughs> who has the 125th best defense in the country? It's a tough one, but I, I'm going to have to take the Tigers in my guess. Yeah, it's LSU. <laughs> guess who just beat Arkansas? Hey, I don't think Michigan with Isaiah Livers can beat Arkansas. Guess who's Without that? Isaiah Livers. Guess who's a one seed? Put some respect <laughs> on Jawan Howard's name. Give me the Wolverines. This isn't even close. I don't think LSU is winning first round. So why would they beat the one seed? Give me Michigan. Can I establish that if the Harris, do it. In the Harris, race, do it. Harris, come on, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, before before I before I do it, quote quote. Let me say. <laughs> let me say that. Uh, Everyone knew what I was talking about when I said let's do it, and then you were like, do it. <laughs> Okay, let me just say, if the refs hadn't gotten in the way, Juwan Howard had the refs not gotten in the way, would beat the ever-living crap out of Mark Turgeon. I I, I think so. I very think it would, true. Very yeah, true. Very yeah, that's true. A fair, that's a fair point. 
But I think Will Wade, instead of facing the fight against Juwan Howard, would have tried to bribe Juwan Howard off with some stupid money. Like he does all of his players. Yeah. Will Wade is a cheater. He's a Come scumbag. Come on, Ty. Will Wade is a cheater. But anyway. <laughs> Not in this case, Harris. Tell him. Uh, I'm sorry. Who was LSU's coach when Will Wade was suspended and they went to the Sweet 16 in 2019? I don't care. In Cheaters win. <laughs> okay, well, let me just say, I'm, I'm going to quit blabbering around. Yeah, make it pick. Michigan, <laughs> Michigan's going to win this game. I'm sorry. I want to say LSU. I'm, again, it's one of those 51-49 games, and I'm having a tough time picking this. I can see a world in which LSU wins this game. I really can. I think without Livers – Without Livers, LSU has enough firepower. Who's to guarding Dickinson for LSU? That's my issue. That's yeah. what I was going to get to is LSU doesn't have a guy who's guarding Dickinson. And they're primarily an inside scoring right. team. We saw Hunter Dickinson give Luka Garza tons of trouble when Michigan played Iowa. I'm taking Michigan, but I wouldn't be shocked if LSU wins this game. Okay, next game we have Colorado, Florida State. That's what we agree on, correct? Yes. Yes, we agreed on this. Colorado and Florida State. Two the biggest teams in college basketball. Both start four guys, six, six, and over. Keith, we'll start with you. Out of these am, teams, which one do you got? I am so conflicted on this game because Colorado is a great free throw shooting team. Florida State's a great three-point shooting team. Both teams are big. Both teams are physical. Both teams have a really good senior guard, MJ Walker versus McKinley Wright. Leonard Hamilton's a better coach here, and that's what it comes down to for me. I think Tad Boyle is a solid coach. I think Leonard Hamilton is a great coach. So give me the Seminoles. I don't really like Colorado outside of their free throw shooting. And I love FSU. I love their three-point shooting, as Keith said. One person that I was sort of 50-50 on going into the year is Scotty Barnes. He was out of Montverde. I wasn't really a huge fan of him. But he's kind of impressed me. I'm not going to lie. I really like his game, so I'm going to take the Seminoles short and sweet. Scotty Barnes gets the official seal of approval from Ty Conrad, I see. But I'm going to say Colorado wins this game. boys, Cade and Scotty. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to say Colorado takes this game, even though I'm out. I'm outvoted. I think Colorado is the better team. I think they're more, they're more consistent. Yep. FSU has these moments where they're just like, what the heck? FSU could easily lose to UNCG despite the size factor if they just have a bad day. And they could easily make a Final Four. Yeah, we don't know what we're getting from them. It's boom or bust. However, in March, I think the consistency is important. I'm going against my logic of coaching. I get it. I understand. I think this is going to be an extremely close game. And free throw shooting yet again is going to bail Colorado out. I'm taking Colorado in this game. Next up, we've got not BYU because you guys hate you guys love Brandon Davies, whatever. We get it. We've got Michigan State against Texas slash UCLA. Ty. As of right now, my fist is pointed down. But it's horns up for this one. I mean, Texas <laughs> is the obvious choice here. I really like Michigan State as a first four team. However, I'm not sure that they're built for this tournament. And I think Matt Coleman and the Longhorns really honestly run away with this easy. Yeah, Texas has the better guards. They have the better front court athletes. They have the best big man in the game. Personnel wise, it's not even close. Coaching wise, it's not even close. Michigan State takes that. But <laughs> as I put my Texas visor on right now and throw the horns up, I'm taking the horns. Harris, what do you have? Give me Texas. I'm going to keep this short and simple because you guys pretty much covered it. Uh, Texas has better guards, forward centers, whatever. Uh, maybe not better coaching, like Keith said, but I'm taking the Longhorns. This is probably the most interesting seven versus two we've had in a while. Connecticut and Alabama. Now, two very interesting teams. 
I don't know who to pick here. I decided to give it to Alabama on the slight nod just because Alabama's more balanced. And as of late, they've been the better team. Matai, yet again, please help me out here. Which one is better? Who should I So pick? this is also one where I went back and forth on, and I picked UConn, and then I picked Bama, and then I picked UConn. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to who has the better starting five, and I think that without a doubt is Alabama. I think Herb Jones knows how to lead this team. He won not only SEC Player of the Year, but Defensive Player of the Year as well. SEC you Coach of the Year, Nate Oates. Oh, completely. Uh, SEC Coach of the Year, Nate Oates. He knows what he's doing. I'm taking Alabama. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Bama as well, but Keith – yeah, we know how good James Booknight is. We know how hyped up this UConn team is. But here's the problem. they've The good teams they played this year, I'd say, Creighton, USC, Villanova. They're one and four in those games with the one being a three-point win against USC. All of those coming when James Booknight was healthy, mind you. So I just don't know that UConn can get the elite win. And I may be a little biased because at the SEC tournament, we saw Alabama beat Mississippi State 85 to 48 but I just really believe in this Alabama team as we may see later I see them going very far in this tournament and I think this is a really good game maybe 75 68 where Alabama just pulls away at the very end but James Booknight turns in a great performance and it's really a thrill of second round and it's so interesting because Alabama will have these games where they shoot like 60% from three. They've gone 18 for 30 against Georgia, 10 for 22 against Georgia again. Yeah. They they can shoot the lights out sometimes, but sometimes they just go stone cold. But the great part about Alabama is that's not even their specialty the when they're defense. hot. Their defense is second on Ken Palm behind only Loyola Chicago, by the way. Alabama is a great shooting team at times can be the best shooting team in the country. And that's not even their strength. So yeah, Alabama might, Alabama is going to go far in this tournament, in my opinion, but that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And moving to the South bracket now, Baylor against North Carolina, another amazing second round game. Ty, we'll start with you. Harris is going to comment at me for what I'm about to say again, but I really couldn't care less. God squad is going to pull through Easy money. Jared Butler is should be pissed off that he's not Big 12 Player of the Year. As much as I love Kate Cunningham, I completely agree. So I'm taking Baylor in this one. So I get that you guys have Baylor. They're a quote-unquote God squad. You don't know what I have yet. Oh, okay. Well, okay, okay. So I'm going to say UNC wins this game. I think UNC destroys Baylor inside. I'll be real. And their rebounding and their inside game is their specialty, I would say. On Ken Palm, I believe UNC is – on Ken Palm, UNC's top 15 on defense, and they've been shooting the three quite well lately. I think Caleb Love can also turn it around and play pretty well. UNC's got the talent to go to the, the distance. They're better defensively than Baylor, and quite possibly, Baylor's not that balanced. They're third in offense, 44th in defense. They haven't been the same since the COVID pause. And let's be real, guys, like Baylor losing in a Baylor single digits against Iowa State, losing to Oklahoma State, losing to West Virginia or beating West Virginia slightly, but losing to Kansas by double digits. They haven't been the same since the COVID pause. I'm taking UNC on the upset. All right. Roy Williams is also the better coach. Come to pop here. You're talking about Caleb Love. We'll have Davion Mitchell for that. Shut him down. Who's UNC's second best scorer? Maybe R.J. Davis? Something like that. I would say R.J. Davis. Definitely not Leaky Black. Well, we'll put Jared Butler on him. You're talking about maybe Kerwin Walton. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can put 
Macy Oteague, or you can put Martin Vidal on him. And let's not even talk about everyday John, Matthew Meyer. I know what Kim Pom says about this team defensively, but I watch the games. I see how good their perimeter defense is at times. And yeah, they struggled against Cade Cunningham. Leaky Black isn't Cade Cunningham. So I just don't think that it happens here. I think that Scott Drew, really good coach, may even put, you know, some half-court pressure on UNC, get the ball out of their hands, make sure that they can't even get the offensive rebound because the ball is going the other way on a fast break. So I'm going to go with Baylor. The one seed survives. I think it's a scare, but they move on. And now we have Winthrop, correct? Winthrop, yes. Yeah, Winthrop against Purdue, a little four versus 12 action. And Ty, since you're the leader of the Eagles parade, we'll let you start. Well, as much as I'm a quote-unquote Eagle fan, uh, Eagle in terms of Winthrop and the Philadelphia Eagles, but nevertheless, I think I'm going to take Purdue in this one. Uh, I think they're one of the most well-balanced teams in the tournament. I think they're the tallest team as well. They're at least the tallest team in the Big Ten. Not sure if they're the tallest team in the tournament, but I think the Boilermakers are going to be way too much for Winthrop. I think they're going to be a little high off their win against Villanova, so I'm going to take Purdue. Yeah, I think Baylor's going to have a tough time dealing with the size inside of North Carolina. But sorry, guys, I'm getting off topic. Onto You're the all Purdue good, part. Onto the Purdue You're part. Purdue's too balanced for Winthrop. Winthrop, not the greatest point differential against a super inferior schedule as well. I will point that out. I don't think they have enough firepower to beat Purdue. I think Purdue can make it very far in this tournament due to that fact that I have North Carolina beating Baylor. But I will take Purdue in this one. Yeah, I agree here. Purdue is the more balanced team. Y'all hit the nail on the head perfectly. And I think Pat Kelsey is a great coach, but Matt Painter is an even better coach. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Sasha Stefanovich, one of Harris's favorite names in college basketball, and the Purdue Boilermakers. And now we have Utah State, a big upset team against Arkansas. And Harris, I have a feeling you're going to go a little hot takey here. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going hot takey here. I y'all know how high I've been on Arkansas. They're 20 and three since they put Justin Smith in the lineup and they're just a different team. Eric Musselman say what you want, Keith, but Eric Musselman took a team to the sweet 16. Come on now. Eric Musselman's a great coach. Actually, not just him. any team, a 10 seed. A 17. 17. Yeah, yeah. Texas, Texas was a 10 seed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horns down. But I'm going to say out. Arkansas beats Utah State despite the size that Utah State has with Quetta. Arkansas, their guards, their forwards are super balanced, whatever, so on, so on. Give me the Razorbacks. Woo, Pig Suey. I, I completely agree with you, but number three seeds are 32 and 17 overall against number 11 seeds, which is a 65% win percentage. But they're only 11 and 9 since 2010. So it's been a pretty balanced scuffle between the 11 and the three. However, I think this three is just too much. Harris said it perfectly. Ever since they put Justin Smith into the lineup, they've been a different beast. So I'm taking Arkansas. Yeah, I thought Harris was going to go with the hot takey, but he went with the hot fakey there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Come on. <laughs> Ultimate dad joke right there. But yeah, I'm going with the Razorbacks. He's a but dad with no sons or daughters. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me not a dad then. What the heck? <laughs> it's the fact that you make dad jokes, but you don't have any kids. It makes you a dad. You have a dad personality. Thank you. Okay. Minus uh, the dad bod. Razor, razorbacks. <laughs> razorbacks, razorbacks, razorbacks. Now we have Virginia Tech against Ohio State. We know that we're low on Ohio State, but can the Hokies get the job done, Harris? What do you think? No, they can't. I mean, Mike Young's a great coach. I think he might be a better coach than Chris Holtman. But – 
Ohio State's just got too much talent. They're so good offensively. They're too good for Vatek. Vatek's point differential is suspect, which is very important for when predicting games. Ohio State's seventh on Ken Palm. Vatek's sub top 40 on Ken Palm. Ugh, I'm taking Ohio State. Mike Young gets his revenge just like Brandon Davies gets his revenge. <laughs> Last time he was in the tournament, it was with Wofford and Fletcher McGee. They were a seven seed and lost to the two seed Kentucky, which Ty, you remember that I'm sure as he's clapping and screaming and yelling and celebrating because that's back when Kentucky actually made NCAA tournaments. But I trust the intangibles with this Virginia Tech team between Tyrese Radford, would be said the day, Keve Oluma, Justin Mutz, whose dad liked my tweet earlier this season. I'm You're going with Keith. Virginia Tech. I like the upset here, 10 over two. Yeah, as Keith mentioned, man, Kentucky beat Wofford on a very, very close game. It came down Your to- Your bucky Fletcher McGee had a terrible game, or else that would have No, no, like- Tyler Hero clamped Fletcher McGee up. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yes, <laughs> sir. So, the I have a funny white- story about this game. Let the battle of the white boys went to Tyler Hero- but Harris, I'll let you tell your story. Go ahead. Okay, okay. So I don't know. It's not really a funny story. It's more of a kind of a scary story. But anyway, I was with my brother. We were watching Fletcher McGee throw up bricks against Kentucky, hoping yeah. that Wofford would win. Because you know I'm not the biggest Kentucky naysayer. Obviously. My brother grabs a cup, okay, throws it to the wall, symmetrically lines in perfectly in the wall. We put a picture there. There's a massive hole in it. My parents still don't know about it. If my dad's listening to this episode, I – and toast. I'm so sorry, Win. <laughs> well, I need to shut my mouth. You just ratted your brother out on quote <laughs> oh, unquote no. national podcast, whatever you want to call it. But I just can't get behind the Hokies. I really like picking the upsets, especially against two seeds, but I can't get behind it. Since they started out the season 13 and three, they're two and three. They really haven't got back to their original form when they beat Villanova early in the season. I'm going to take the Buckeyes, even though I'm not really high on them. I think they have a pretty easy path to the Sweet 16. Okay. Moving on from the South region of the bracket, dropping down to the Midwest, we have one of and by the way, the one eight matchups this year, or one nine, whatever you want to call it, are very, very, very intriguing. Fantastic. Illinois, right. We have Illinois taking on Loyola Chicago. Harris, I know you're a big computer metrics guy. So who do you have in this one? Okay. I was so tempted to take Loyola Chicago. And I tried so hard to take Loyola. I went over all the pros, all the cons. I think I'm going to say this. If Loyola was against Gonzaga, I'm taking Loyola. If they were against Baylor, I'm taking Loyola. If they're against Michigan, I'm without a doubt taking Loyola. But of course, they had to be paired against Illinois. Oh my gosh. The hottest team. In that Loyola, Illinois, Georgia Tech side of the bracket is just torturing me, guys. You have no idea. Those are three of your favorite teams. Three of my favorite teams. And I've talked all three of them up all year. Yep. So I'm going to say Illinois wins this game, knocks out Loyola Chicago. Luckily, if Tennessee goes to Sweet 16, they wouldn't have to deal with them. So. Again, because we know Clinton Cluster shot a buzzer beater that ended my dreams and just shattered me. But anyway, Illinois wins this game. They're just too good. Yeah, you took my take. I was just about to say Kobe Coburn is going to take a like. swallow Cameron Crutwig alive. And Dosumu is the best guard in the game. So for that reason, give me Illinois, but great coaching matchup between Underwood and Moser. Yeah, I think you guys set up perfectly. Illinois is just way too powerhousey for Loyola Chicago. Powerhousey, good word. But we got even a word. We got the upset now. Oregon State taking on Oklahoma State, the battle of the states. Keith, 
Wait, Oregon. did I just hear Oregon State? Remember, <laughs> remember. Oh, Harry. you guys are the worst. <laughs> Oregon State. Sorry, now, for all the fans out there that are listening again, do not take Oregon State in your bracket. Keith and I both <laughs> do not actually think that they we, they will win. However, we didn't want Harris to talk about Tennessee for longer than five seconds. So, Keith, Battle of the States. I'm loving the disclaimer we had to add there, like at the end of the medicine commercials. The, Please do not t- take Oregon State because they're not a team that's going to win. We purely picked this because we're trying to get back at Harris for his Tennessee love. Thank you. Like that's our disclaimer that we're coming with and the battle of the orange O states here. I'm taking Oklahoma State. Cade Cunningham is better than any player on Oregon State. So is Isaac Likely. So is probably Caleb Boone. Why are you point. still talking about Oregon State? Come on now. Talk about the better team, which is Tennessee. Oklahoma State moves on to Sweet 16, no matter who they're playing in this round. Ty, I feel like you agree with me. Ugh. Yeah, Cade Cunningham's way too much, not only for Oregon State, but I don't like mentioning their name because they're already out of the tournament. But yeah, even if Tennessee somehow gets there, pick an Oklahoma State either way. So give me the Cowboys. I'm not allowing this at all. I think Tennessee is going to the round of 32, and they will beat your beloved Cowboys tie, so Conrad. That's actually so ignorant that you said Oh, that. it is not ignorant. Cunningham will mentally and physically abuse every player on Tennessee. <laughs> what if we put the deserving SEC Defensive Player of the Year on him? Use Fonz. What's going to happen there? Did he win it? Did he win it? No, but he's the deserving. He had he had six blocks against They're Florida. Out. Tennessee's out of this tournament. Stop. Oh, no, blasphemy. Oklahoma State moves on. I'm not I'm not about Oklahoma team. State wins. San Diego State, West Virginia. Keith, who do you got? Oh, my gosh. San Diego State, this one's easy. Um, Matt Mitchell is the most versatile player in this game. Jordan Shackle is the best shooter in this game. McBride's the best scorer. Culver's the best big man. But I just feel San Diego State in this one. You know, they have been on a roll lately, and I'm sure Harris is going to have some nice stats to back me up on this. But I just think this is the Aztecs' time. And this West Virginia team has been very inconsistent down the stretch and they just haven't played to their full potential. And we know that lately Bob Huggins has struggled in the tournament with a lot of early exits and just not going as far as we think he should. So for that reason, I'm going with San Diego state. I feel like I'm really hitting on the big 12 right now, which I really hate, but yeah, San Diego state. Ty, I'll bet you 30 bucks at Tennessee will be at Oklahoma state in the round of 32. Really? $30, 30 bucks. Done. No, sign Bang. my name wherever you want that contract. Done. Sign it. <laughs> Do it. Okay. Anyway, moving on to San Diego State and West Virginia. San Diego State shoots 38% from three. They're 51% from two. On yes, Ken Palm, they're, they're ranked 11th on defense. Yep. You're telling me a hyper-efficient offensive team with Matt Mitchell and Jordan Scheichel, who might be the two best scorers in this game. McBride. You think McBride? It's two McBride of the three best scorers in this baller. game. I can see McBride's a little streaky sometimes. He heats up, sometimes yeah. he gets cold. Mitchell and Shaiko are consistent. San Diego State's got a near top 10 defense. They score inside and out. I think they're just flat out the better team. And in my stat where I adjusted the point differential based on opponent free throw percentage, again, it's a long formula, whatever. San Diego State finished off 14th in the stat and West Virginia was about 23rd. I think West Virginia's overrated. They shouldn't be a three. I think this should be Oklahoma State in this game. But regardless, I'm taking San Diego State by a lot. Yeah, I completely agree with you both. I thought we were going to have to have an argument on this. We're not. I think San Diego State's defense is going to be way too much for the Mountaineers, and I'm going to take the Aztecs. But All right. But the last... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. All right. The last matchup of the round of 32, we have 
the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, to Harris's dismay, taking on the Houston Cougars. We haven't talked about Houston yet because we had them just automatically moving on in the round of 64. So, Ty, I'll let you preview us on Kelvin Sampson's Cougars. Yeah, well, first of all, I really wasn't the biggest fan of Houston. I don't know if the listeners remember a couple podcasts back, we talked about how many teams could win the national championship. Both of you said Houston. I did not. If Houston wins the national championship after what I saw in the American Conference Championship, I, I would not be surprised at all. Quinn Grimes has proved to me that he's not only the best player in the American Conference, but one of the best players in the nation. All-American. Oh, right. 100%. Yeah, I, I think he, he's one of the best players in country and i'm going to be completely honest i think if justin gorham and Keith obviously pronounced pronunciation king but did dejan jaro dejan jaro both of them can fill up the stat sheet the only problem with this team in my opinion is foul trouble but i think rebounding is their bread and butter so i'm going to take houston okay in the games that houston has lost tulsa shot 35 percent from three houston shot 19 percent East Carolina shot 46%. Wichita State shot 46%. So clearly when they lose, it's mostly by a team just abnormally shooting more threes, other than Tulsa, maybe, who's a bad three-point shooting team. It's just abnormally making threes more than their percentage. Rutgers shoots 31% from three. They're a bad three-point shooting team. If you want to beat Houston, the history of the stat, the history of the season proves you need to abnormally shoot the three. Granted, Rutgers is a better team than those teams I listed, but I'm going to put this theory to bed. Houston goes on the Sweet 16 for the second straight year, I guess, if you include 2019. Yeah, you want to talk about Rutgers not being a good three-point shooting team? They shoot 63% from the line. Ew. You're not going to beat a well-coached team like Houston and Kelvin Sampson doing that. So for that reason, Houston coasts to the Sweet 16 to take us into the Sweet 16 where we have some very compelling matchups here. Gonzaga is taking on UCSB, the Gauchos. Since Harris isn't on the bandwagon, we'll let him start. Yeah, this is blasphemy that UCSB. I I keep using that, overusing that word. I'm sorry, guys. But anyway, UCSB shouldn't be here. UVA is better. They're better coach. Jay Huff is Big size. It's going to be tough for them to score inside. Whatever. Regardless, Virginia, UCSB, whatever. Gonzaga's going to win this game. I mean, I know we haven't talked a lot about them, but just the blend of scoring that they have inside and outside with Suggs and Ayayi along with Timmy inside is a blend that we may have never seen before since other than 2015 Kentucky, since 1990 UNLV. I mean, I think Gonzaga's going to win this game if the, if it's but if it's against UCSB by 20 plus points. Jalen Suggs is better than Ja'Cory McLaughlin, and that's not even mentioning Timmy, Kispert, Ayayi, Nimhard, Gonzaga, easy tie. I think you agree. Yeah, I mean, as much as I'm a Gauchos fan, I think giving the Zags a loss in the Sweet 16 would just be blasphemous, as I use overuse Harris's word. But Kansas-Oregon is going to be one of the pretty interesting matchups in the Sweet 16 that we have. I'll kick it off with Harris. You like the Jayhawks or the Ducks? If Jalen Wilson doesn't come back, I think Oregon wins this game. Because Jalen Wilson, for those of y'all, those that didn't know, is out for the start of the 2021 NCAA tournament. Could be back for the next game. That's TBD. We don't know. If he's not back, Oregon. If he's back, Kansas. Because he makes a difference for them. He's putting up 12 and 8. That's a bad. Oh, he's a really good player. He's second on their team in assist as well. Yeah. Interesting. He's super versatile. Yeah. So I, I take Kansas if Wilson's back. If not, I'm taking Oregon. For now, I'm taking Oregon. 
I'm taking Oregon too. I think that their guards are just better between Duarte and Will Richardson. And then Omarui is the most consistent post score in this game. Dana Altman has gotten it done more recently in the tournament than Bill Self made to a final four more recently. So for that reason, I'm taking Oregon. Ty, what do you have? I'm going to actually completely agree with Harris. I think Jalen Wilson's a different monster. And can I just comment? I don't know if you guys follow recruiting or not, whatever. Jalen Wilson committed to Michigan before he decommitted after the line left and then committed to Kansas. If he is on this Michigan roster, that team is beyond scary. Nevertheless, if Jalen Wilson plays, I'm taking Kansas. But if if we're under the assumption that he's not, which we are, I'm going to take Oregon as well. But moving back on to the East region, Michigan, Florida State. Michigan without Isaiah Livers, Florida State, as we've mentioned, one of the most versatile teams in the country. Keith, what you got? Yeah, I'm really conflicted here because I don't know that Florida State is going to keep winning because, like we've said, they're not very consistent, but they also have a style that could really give Michigan problems. I'm going to go with Michigan here. I think that Hunter Dickinson is going to score pretty easily on Balsico Pravica, and I think Mike Smith is a really steady point guard. Juwan Howard's a good coach. Give me the one seed here. I they're going to die soon, but I'll get them one more round here. I think that Hunter Dickinson, now I have Colorado in this, I'll say. I think Hunter Dickinson will have problems inside with FSU size. But the question is, which Florida State are we going to get, right? But they shoot yep. 39% as a team from three, 73 from the line, 52 from two. They can score inside and out. I believe they're pretty good defensively, as in defensive efficiency. Uh, they, they rank 48th. Uh, well, anyway, I'm going to take Florida State. I think Michigan without livers lacks the firepower. I think Florida State's a lot like the Ohio State team that just beat them in the Big Ten tournament championship, their semifinals. So I think Florida State wins in the Sweet 16. However, I'm not, I do not think they will be in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Harris. I think, and Keith mentioned it perfectly, it depends which Florida State team we see. If we see the team that is notoriously known for choking big games and doing everything wrong, I completely agree. Michigan, 100%, even without levers. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Leonard Hamilton is going to have a phenomenal coaching season, or rather run, and Florida State will advance to the Elite Eight. We got pretty chalky so far. Texas versus Alabama in the Sweet 16. I'll start it off with the Longhorn fan himself. Keith, what do you got? I love this Texas team, but Alabama's pressure, their tempo, the way they just suffocate you, their depth, they get you in foul trouble. Alabama is a different beast, and Nate Oates is such a better coach than Chaka Smart. And while I think that Texas' guards are better, I think that Alabama's system just puts more pressure on you. They take smarter shots. And at the end of the day, Alabama is just going to suffocate Texas. Like I said about Alabama, Texas relies on their athletic guards. Alabama is more athletic than they are as a team, which is just like destroying Texas's strength. Also, I mentioned the three-point shooting. I mentioned the defense, which, as you said, is just suffocating. That was a great way to describe it. Nate Oates is a phenomenal coach. He obviously wins the coaching battle here. Alabama in pretty much every category. I think this game gets pretty ugly, and I'm taking Alabama. Yeah, I just think Alabama's too strong on defense, and their three ball is sensational. Even if they have an off game, I still have them winning this matchup. Going on to the Midwest, we got Illinois versus Oklahoma State, the Battle of the Orange. Harris, what do you got? I personally have Illinois against my beloved Tennessee Volunteers, whatever tie, but... They've lost. They're irrelevant. Stop talking about (laughs) it. Regardless of who the team is, I'm going to say Illinois, just the DeSumo, Kofi Coburn, Duo is going to give Oklahoma State problems, although Oklahoma State, if they play Illinois, will keep that game close. I agree, and Harris, you're saying that 
But let's get serious. Let's cut to the chase. You're living in a fantasy land where Tennessee won their first round game, which they didn't. <laughs> so in that case, I'm going to take Illinois over Oklahoma State. They're too big inside. They're too strong. And their depth on in the backcourt just supersedes what you have with Oklahoma State and Brad Underwood. The former coach of Oklahoma State, which makes this game really interesting, gets it done. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Number one seeds have won all eight meetings with four seeds in the past five tournaments. I think that continues trend. I'm taking the fighting Illini. Next up in the last part of the Midwest region, San Diego State against Houston. The rematch of the 2019 game, 2018 game, excuse me, when Rob Gray shot that buzzer beater to beat the Aztecs. Do you all think San Diego State gets the revenge from that game? No, I don't. I think that Houston is a much better team offensively and Seed fact, Harris, a little history note. Since 1993, number two seeds have won 21 of the past 23 meetings with number six seeds. The last meeting, 2015, when number two Arizona defeated number six Xavier, 68 to 60 in the Sweet 16. (laughs) I love it. That was an impersonation of Harris Hicks. Nevertheless, I'm taking Houston in this one. I think Grimes and company will be a little too much for the Aztecs. You know, 21 out of the last 23, blah, 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 whatever. You know, San Diego State is one of the most overpowered six teams we've had in recent memory. I think they're about as good as a four seed. I love the stats that you add, Ty, but I think Jordan Scheichel, Matt Mitchell, Terrell Gomez, Nathan Mensah inside will be too much for Houston, who outside of Grimes, Giroux, and Sasser, I don't think they have the scores to compete with San Diego State. I think San Diego State... I'm going to say Brian Dutcher is a better coach than Kelvin Sampson. That's pretty bold, but I think he's a better, he's going to be a better tournament coach than Kelvin Sampson. I'm taking San Diego state in this game. I just think they're very, I think, I think he is. I think he is. I haven't used this phrase yet, but that's blasphemous. That is blasphemous. (laughs) What are you talking about? Kelvin Sampson has brought the Houston program out of the ashes. San Diego state was good before Dutcher got there and they're still good, but this Houston program is great. Quinn Grimes is an absolute killer. His killer instinct has stepped it up once we got to March, hitting these threes that are just keeping the games close. Against Memphis. Putting his team away. Yeah, Memphis is a good basketball team. They're playing like a seven seed right now, and we both know it. Give me the Cougars. They are one of the highest rated teams in Ken Palm. I know I'm going long on this, but I love this Houston team. They're sixth in Ken Palm, eighth on offense, 16th on defense. San Diego State's 20th. I don't think they have the offense to compete with this Houston squad. Give me the Cougars as they move on. Baylor is taking on the Purdue Boilermakers. And Ty, we'll start with you. So Baylor is kind of known for not only shooting the three ball well, but not having a lot of size, whereas Purdue has a ton of size. So basically, in my opinion, what it's going to come down to is Baylor's either going to run all over them or Purdue is going to dominate in the paint. I think it's going to be the first option. I think Baylor, honestly, is going to have a field day just running around Purdue, getting them in foul trouble. So I'm going to take the Bears in this one. Yeah, Purdue struggles to shoot, but the size, as you mentioned, is interesting with Purdue. I thought I liked where you were going there, Ty, but Zach Eady is going to have a field day against Baylor. Him in being seven foot four. Fun fact, he averages nine points in. 14 minutes, which now that I'm looking is absolutely insane. Holy crap. Yeah, fun fact, he's actually a, played on the same baseball team as Daniel Pike, our classmate. Fun fact. Wow. Was he good? Very interesting. Yeah. Apparently he was really good. Yeah. A seven foot four baseball player. Dude. If I, mean, I think back, at the time they were in fifth grade. So I think he was like six, four or something like that. But still yeah. insane. That's oh, insane. Yeah. 
You know, Zach Eady, I'm on an intramural softball team at ASU. So if you ever want to cut ties with Matt Painter and come on my intramural softball team, I am all ears. We need we need bodies. <laughs> we just lost our first game. So anyway, Purdue will not lose like my intramural softball team. Whether they play North Carolina, whether they play Baylor, whatever. I think Purdue will upset Baylor. I think Purdue will go to the Elite Eight. I think Baylor, ever since the COVID pause, I'm not certain on them. And outside of that loss against Ohio State, Purdue is absolutely cooking. I think Matt Painter continues on to win this game. I think Purdue goes to the Elite Eight. I disagree with you. Purdue shoots 33.5% from three on the season. That's 188th in D1. In conference play, they're shooting 30.7% from three. That is 12th in the Big Ten. This Baylor team can stroke it from the outside. Purdue does not have the guard play to get it done against Baylor. And you can say what you want about the big men, but if the guards are getting overmatched and those guards for Purdue, we haven't really mentioned them, Brandon Newman, Jaden Ivey, Eric Hunter, if they're getting overmatched, it's not going to matter what the big men do because Baylor is going to stroke it from the outside and win this game pretty handily and make their way to the Elite Eight. So, Ty, I like that we're thinking the same there. Now, our last game of the Sweet 16, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes going up against the Arkansas Razorbacks. And, guys, does the Buckeyes run come to an end here? Arkansas is the hotter team than Ohio State. I said about a couple weeks ago that Arkansas was one out of my seven teams that could win the national championship. Musselman has done it in the tournament before, Keith. And I know I'm beating that like a dead horse. And no, yeah, folks, that is not my dead horse. We get that you love Arkansas. My horse is alive and well. How about you talk about Ohio State for a second? <laughs> okay. Let me talk about Ohio State. Ohio State is not balanced defensively. They're not good defensively. They don't have the size. Let me just say that. I don't. I think Arkansas's guards are too athletic for them. Note, Moody, I think they are. I think Arkansas is extremely high-paced. And I'm giving too much analysis here as we are a lot of time in. I'm just going to say Arkansas is going to win this game, and they give Ohio State trouble in the backcourt and in the frontcourt. I'm going to agree with you. Arkansas is the better team here. They're the hotter team. And also Vanover and Smith are too much for Liddell on the interior. So, woo pig suey. Yeah, I don't even like Ohio State that much. I just think their route to the Sweet 16 is one of the easiest, Agreed. if not the easiest Agreed. in the whole bracket. So, I'm taking Arkansas in this one pretty easily. Or Roberts is sneaky, though. Yeah, fair okay. enough. Uh, moving on to the Elite Eight, back to the top of the bracket. We got Gonzaga taking on seven-seeded Oregon. And, guys, just quick fun fact. Over the past five tournaments, a five-seed or lower has made the Final Four. And right now, we only have one five-seed or lower team in the bracket. That is Oregon. So, Keith, is your pick going to make a little logical sense or are you going to take the upset king? I love the Ducks. I do. But the Zags are too good. I can't pick against Gonzaga here. Oregon had a great run to the Elite Eight as a seven seed, and it should be celebrated. But Gonzaga is an elite team and probably has the easiest route to the Final Four of any team in this bracket. So for that reason, I'm taking the Zags. Yeah, I know. Oregon's hot. They've been red hot lately outside of losing to Oregon State, which was a complete outlier. That shot over 50% from three. They won 11 out of their last 12. Gonzaga, however, has won their last 26 or whatever games. They're undefeated. 26. 26, 26 that was exactly right. Lucky guess. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Gonzaga's going to win this game inside, outside, coaching. They're just better. Kispert is the best player in this game, and Timmy's too, too big inside for Oregon. Give me Gonzaga. 
Gonzaga is way too good for Oregon. Oregon had a playing GCU, obviously, having a pretty lucky way towards the Elite Eight. And I'm taking Gonzaga to move on to the Final Four. Moving on to the Elite Eight, we've got the Seminoles coming in, a little trendy upset pick there. Even though I think they're going to lose to Colorado, whatever, I guess my voice doesn't matter in this podcast, clearly. But anyway, majority rules, I guess. Florida State, Alabama. Uh, nevertheless, I think that Florida State should be thankful that they got this far. Kudos to you guys, but I think the Crimson Tide keep rolling. We've been saying this all year. Florida State is Alabama what? Both played a fast tempo. Both are very long, very good coaches, and they just keep rolling bodies at you. Herb Jones is a better player right now than Scotty Barnes. And Alabama's deeper. Their guards are more consistent shooting the ball. Give me Bama here. Give me Bama here. I love this team, and they make it to the Final Four. I think a lot of people are a little surprised because we've heard a lot of other teams hyped up, but Bama is consistent. They get the job done here. As a Tennessee fan, I'm going to throw up in my mouth when I say this, but ugh, roll tide roll. Good gosh. This isn't fair. Football's supposed to, basketball's supposed to be our thing. Bama, come on, get stay in it's football. It's never been your thing. You, I don't think <laughs> that's champion. It's Kentucky's thing. And we're not oh, these last four years, it's been our thing. No, no, it still hasn't. Anyway, Baylor, Arkansas. I'm assuming you're going to take Arkansas because you hate Baylor, or excuse me, Harris. But Harris, who do you got? Baylor is the very good squad. They're not the God squad. Is again, insult to the man upstairs. But, and we have right now Baylor, Arkansas. I'm taking Arkansas. I think Arkansas will win this game. I really do. I think they're too, I think they'd just be too much for Baylor. And until I see the Baylor before the COVID pause, Arkansas. I would like to agree with you because I'm pretty high on Arkansas, but I'm going to take Baylor. I think the size might be a little too much for Baylor, but I think they can continue their streak and move on to the final four. This feels like this game would go to Arkansas, but at the same time, I just don't see two SEC teams getting in the final four. Baylor also has the better guards while Arkansas is very deep at the guard position with Tate, Note, Moody, and we're forgetting some even. That's how deep they are. With Baylor, you have Teague, Mitchell, Butler, Flagler. And I think at this point, Baylor is going to play good competition very quickly, and they're going to be locked in for this tournament. So I think they return to their former form, and they get there. But we have one Elite Eight game left to pick. Illinois is taking on the Houston Cougars. Ty, we'll start with you. Well, as much as I spot in the Final Four. Yeah, as much as I love Quentin Grimes and the Cougars, I think the fighting Illini are too much. Mast Io looking like Batman slash LeBron, whatever you want to call him. I think him and Coburn are going to be way too much for this Cougar team. And this game, honestly, I could see getting a little out of hand. I want to ask a question here. What's a harder path to the Final Four? Drexel, Loyola, Chicago, and Oklahoma State? Or... Cleveland State, Rutgers, and San Diego State. Oh, Illinois is a harder path for sure, 100%. Illinois has got the hardest path in the tournament um, for a one seed. That's what I'm saying. I think Illinois is tired by this point. This is also the second game in three days for them after they already had that battle against Oklahoma State or Tennessee, whichever one you want to believe. And Houston kind of handily took care of San Diego State, in my opinion, I think Kelvin Sampson's more proven in the tournament. And I think at this point, the road just gets to Illinois. And if it's not now, it's the next round. So for that reason, give me the Cougars. 
Wow. Okay. Harris, you're the tiebreaker. Okay. I'm the tiebreaker here. All righty. So clearly, I think y'all know what I'm going to go here because I had Houston losing to San Diego State in the Sweet 16. So for me, this is Illinois against San Diego State, but I'll go Illinois against Houston. Illinois got the best player. They're better offensively. They have more size. They're better defensively. Illinois wins this game. Come on, guys. Illinois to the final four. And in that segment, that's going to segue us to the final four where we've got Gonzaga in Alabama and Arkansas, Illinois. Ty, we'll start with you. We're going to start with Gonzaga in Alabama. So ever since the their conference play started, Gonzaga really hasn't played a firepower team. Obviously, they played BYU three times. They've won all three in a bit of a nail-biter and the uh, their conference championship game where BYU was up by 12 at halftime. Unfortunately, they choked that lead and Gonzaga came up and won. Jalen Suggs, phenomenal game. But I think, and I really don't like doing this, but I think I'm going to go with the tide on this one. I'm going to roll with them. I Ugh. think their defense and three-point shooting is going to be a little too much for Gonzaga. So roll tide to the national championship. Alabama making the final four as a Tennessee fan, just, ugh, it's not fair to me, but I can so see it. Bama, to me, like you said about Gonzaga, they haven't played a firepower team in a while. And against BYU, they came out looking sluggish. They gave BYU a lot of open shots in that game, and BYU definitely capitalized. They struggle against elite guards at some points, which against Iowa, we saw Bohannon have a good game and Wisecamp out of a good game. Against UVA, we saw, I can't remember who it was, and we KA Clark played pretty well. That was a blowout from the start. This is a different UVA team. Alabama's guards are going to give Gonzaga trouble. Alabama's defense is going to give Gonzaga trouble because it's a defense that Gonzaga has never played before. They haven't played a top 30 defense on Ken Palm all year. Bama might have the best defense in the country. I think Alabama wins this, and ugh, I hate it. It's disgusting, Ty. It's disgusting, but Bama wins this. Roll, Tide, roll. This Bama team, the style they play, is built to beat the elite teams. It is. They shoot a lot of threes. They take a lot of layups. Don't shoot mid-range jumpers. Play great defense. Get you uncomfortable. Play fast. And they're comfortable playing that pace, which a lot of teams aren't comfortable playing that pace against Gonzaga. And for that reason, Alabama is going to the national championship. But we need to send one other team there. So we have Baylor and Illinois, the one seeds facing off. Guys, who do we have in this one? We agreed on Baylor. We didn't agree on Arkansas. It was Baylor versus Illinois. Oh, okay. Well, I have Baylor losing in the round of 32, but whatever. Again, Illinois would beat Baylor or Arkansas, and they're going to get the revenge from when they played earlier in the season. Baylor pre-COVID pause was a different team, and Illinois in November was a vastly different team from what we have now. Oh, my goodness. Desumu, Coburn, Georgie, they've all progressed so much. Their guards, Miller, Corbello, they just get so much scoring there. Illinois got the most maybe loaded roster in college basketball outside of Gonzaga. So I think Illinois wins this game. I think the true talent proves. And like you say, Ty, it's tough to beat a team twice. Again, like Harris, I had Illinois already losing. So you had Baylor already losing. I had Illinois already losing. I have Baylor in this. And I would have picked Houston here. Their offensive rebounding, their defense, their really good guard play would have given Baylor problems in ways that Illinois at this point, I think they're tired. I think they're worn out. They just got through a big game with Houston. And I know I'm using this hypothetical. 
hypothetical argument, but I just think they're trouble with the pronunciation. Their path is so hard that I don't see them getting to the national championship game. And if they do, I think they lose there. So give me Baylor here. And again, I know that I've had Baylor as my national champ for most of the year. I don't think that happens anymore, but in this case, I think they get there and repeat what they did earlier in the year. It's hard to beat a team three times. You can beat them twice. Yeah. So a quick recap uh, of the final four, my personal final four, has three of these teams in it. I have Baylor, Illinois, Alabama, and I also, surprisingly enough, I have Kansas because I truly believe that Jalen Wilson will be back. They'll be to full strength. But we're on Baylor, Illinois. I think Illinois is a better team. As Keith said, Baylor pre, or excuse me, as Harris said, Baylor pre-COVID pause was a whole different team, and Illinois pre-November kind of stretch was a whole different team. I think now Illinois is better, faster, stronger, bigger. Um, So I'm going to take Illinois. And moving on, we got ourselves a national championship. Illinois taking on the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Alabama could win a national championship in both sports, or will Illinois, Illinois excuse me, win for the first time in the history of their program? Bigger, better, faster, stronger, as the great Kanye West would say. <laughs> He's great, all right. Yes. He is great. Yes, but anyway, Illinois, last time they made the national championship, it was, the year, it was the year of our war, 2005. That was also the last time they made the Sweet 16, might I add, with the old Darren Williams, D. Brown, Luther Head trio, or tri- yeah, trio in the backcourt. But Illinois is going to win this against Alabama. Kofi Coburn is just a different animal. Alabama hasn't played a single big man as good as him or even close because the SEC, say what you want, doesn't really have a lot of good big men, and that is true. Other than Charles Bassey, in which they actually lost that game against Western Kentucky, and Oscar De Silva, who they lost – in that game against Stanford. So Kofi Coburn is, they struggle against big men. Alabama struggles vastly against big men. This is why they have been thriving in the SEC tournament or in the SEC is because they don't play good big men. And Kofi Coburn is going to give Alabama a run for their money. I think this gets ugly, very ugly. And Illinois wins this game. Yeah, I'm nervous because Charles Bassey did give this team all they could handle earlier in the season. But I just have a feeling Alabama would beat this Illinois team in the title. Again, Illinois' path is so hard. And at this point, Bama gets it done. They win a national title in football and basketball. I don't like taking the easy pick. I don't like taking the trendy pick. Triple threat here. We've been high on this Bama team, and I think they get it done. The stars align. Nate Oates gets crowned as Nate Goats because he's a fantastic coach. Gets it done. Herb Jones, the actual SEC player of the year dominates this game and gets it done jelly jq hits his jelly layups i love it bama for the national title and i'm not upset about it because texas would have lost to the national title along the way ties the tiebreaker so the last time a football and basketball team won a national championship florida, correct florida and 06 yes with chris leak on the foot as the starting 07, quarterback oh right? six okay they didn't bad. win in 07 that was no. when tebow won the heisman True. giving you guys some football history here and there, I'm a big history buff. You know, history scholar myself. We'll go to the tiebreaker. <laughs> yes, we will go for to the tiebreaker. national championship. We're going to overtime for this one. It's going down to the wire. This is actually my actual national championship. I genuinely have Alabama versus Illinois in my bracket. Um, so let's just say that this triple threat bracket looks pretty good so far. But 
this was what it came down to for me. And I was looking at all the stats because I, I researched this one for maybe 20 minutes because, as you guys said, Alabama struggled against Charles Bassey and the big men that they went up against. Yes. But at the same time, to Keith's point, Illinois has had a very tough route. They would have to play Loyola Chicago, assuming they win in the second round, then Oklahoma State, and then a really good Houston team. And then they'd have to play Baylor, who's a very good team, even though small. And then Alabama – if they win all those straight, I mean, kudos to them. But two things really popped out in this quote-unquote research. Number one, the past 28 years, 21 seeds have won the national championship. So that kind of struck a string in my heart for me. The second thing, which is kind of coincidental, but I kind of like coincidental things, is 32 years ago, Illinois made their first Final Four, and they lost. 16 years ago, they made their first national championship and lost. So 16 years later, the rule of 32, I think they're going to win the national championship. I'm taking Illinois in this one. As Harris said, I think they're they're bigger. Uh, I think Kofi Coburn is going to have a monster game. If he's still masked at this point, masked Io is going to have a phenomenal game as well, along with Curbelo and Adam Miller. And I think the fighting Illini are your national champions. Bigger, better, faster, stronger, indeed. And Ty using the old standard deviation there to prove his point. Interesting to me. Yeah, and if Illinois can win a national title, kudos to them because this path is ridiculous. And I know I keep beating that dead horse, even though Harris's horses are alive, (laughs) but this path is ridiculous. And if they can do that, kudos to them. And they are a deserving national champion at that point. But guys, we crowned a national champion, so we will now see if that happens. Any final thoughts before we sign off? I'm sure this bra- there's never been a bracket in NCAA tournament or world history that has gotten it perfectly right. But you know, if any, if there was anyone to get it right, it's us. I think it's us. <laughs> Objectively, I, I I think it's us. Even though you guys had Tennessee going out a little too early and having Oregon State winning, but you know, whatever. That's besides my point. Funny joke, guys. Yeah, I mean. I think our bracket was pretty well. Uh, I think the only thing I'd really like question is the fact, does Kansas get Jalen Wilson back in time? Uh, For sure. That was kind of our one, you know, it does he come back? Does he not? But other than that, I think we filled out the bracket pretty well. And I'm kind of excited for March Madness, obviously, to start on, on Thursday. And for Harris, Keith, and I, that will do it for our very, very long, but very entertaining, in my opinion, bracket breakdown episode. Uh, For Keith Dotley, Harris Hicks, I'm Tyler Conrad, and we hope you have a magnificent March. And we'll catch you next week as we update you on the standings that we will be into the Sweet 16 by then. So signing out from Triple Threat, Keith Dotley, Harris Hicks, I'm Tyler Conrad. 